0: CENTERS OF THE WORLD, THIS IS BLOOMBERG MARKETS WITH ALEX STEELE AND GUY JOHNSON.
1: IT'S 30 MINUTES INTO THE U.S. TRADING DAY ON TUESDAY, MARCH 8TH. HERE ARE THE TOP MARKET STORIES WE ARE FOLLOWING FOR YOU AT THIS HOUR. Here come the embargoes. The Biden administration is set to impose a ban on Russian energy imports as soon as today with the president expected to speak later this hour. The UK is preparing to announce a similar ban on oil, but not gas. Bracing for the fallout, the EU is considering issuing joint bonds at a major scale to finance energy and defense spending and blunt the impact of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This after the Kremlin's threat to cut off gas flows from Nord Stream 1. And like a meme stock, nickel spikes an unprecedented 250% in a massive short squeeze, forcing the LME to halt trading and leaving a Chinese tycoon facing billions in losses. We'll have more on the actions and metals with Andrew Forrest of Fortescue. From New York, I'm Kaylee Lines with Guy Johnson in London. Alex Steele is off today. Welcome to Bloomberg Markets. Guy, happy Tuesday. It is commodities and energy front and center.
2: Absolutely, we're going to hear from the president a little bit later on in the show. 10:45, um, in theory, we'll in theory. see exactly when it happens. In theory. Um, But it's interesting, Kayleigh, that that we find ourselves in a situation where parking the UK to one side and its partial potential ban uh, on Russian energy, it is the US going it alone. Europe can't deal with this. And the second headline you read out there talking about the fact that Europe is looking maybe to issue significant numbers of joint bonds to A, rearm uh, and B, deal with the consequences of this energy story, I think is highly significant. Uh, Europe is in the crosshairs of this story. And the economic impact, I think, is at this point really hard to gauge. It's interesting that economists at this point are not downgrading their economic forecasts. I checked the winter forecasts from the European Commission a little bit earlier on. Uh, The last one was a 2022 growth of 4%. What's the downside potential on that number? Is it now inevitable that Europe is going to be facing some kind of a recession? So that brings us to our question of the day. and We're trying to analyze exactly what is happening with prices right now. Are investors correctly pricing European risk? To try and answer this question, we bring in Karen Ward, J.P. Morgan's chief EMEA market strategist for J.P. Morgan Wealth and Bloomberg's Justina Lee. Justina, let me start with you. Economists are probably racing to catch up on the implications of what is happening here for the European economy, highly exposed to Russian gas, gas prices, energy prices going through the roof, just about everything in terms of the commodity space moving up and up very sharply. Do we yet have a handle, do economists yet have a handle on understanding and then pricing the economic downside here?
3: I think not yet. I mean, we've seen a huge reaction in equities. You know, the Stocks Europe 600's valuation is now the lowest since the depths of the pandemic. But, you know, if we are still looking at sell side forecasts, the GDP forecasts have only been downgraded very so slightly. And I think it's especially hard to grapple with, given that shortly before the invasion, the narrative was all about the recovery from COVID. And so it's really been a very sharp change from that story. It has indeed been sharp. So, Karen, to bring
1: you
4: in here, how has your view of Europe changed in the last two weeks? Well, I mean, significantly, as you say. Um, if we are faced with an absolute stop in supply of, of gas, um, then for certain industries, then I think it, it, there will be just a technical, if nothing else, um, stop. So these are, you know, those industries, steel, etc., cetera, that rely on these raw materials. For the broader economy... You know the upside is we did come into this uh, into this crisis with consumers in very good shape, high levels of savings, the jobs market very good, wages pushing up. Um, the critical things to watch right now are to what degree are governments willing to absorb this cost. We've seen in the pandemic that if governments are willing to use their balance sheet, that can be very significant in in, in insulating the private sector. So the news this morning that guy pointed to is very significant. I think we're going to see, a swathe of action, not only to try and shift energy sourcing and energy efficiency and move away from dependence on Russian imports, but a whole suite of packages that will support the consumer. The other thing that Europe has is a central bank, which is under no pressure with regards to inflation, and they can provide support. We're going to hear from them on Thursday.
2: Uh, I'm looking looking forward to going to Frankfurt to, to hear from Madame Lagarde. Karen, the ECD's mandate though is inflation. And if inflation rips higher in Europe, that's going to cause significant economic damage anyway. The consumer is definitely in the firing line here. Sure, the, the government's spending may sort of blunt that, but, but this is a short-term, near-term impact the consumers are going to feel. Uh, it's food prices. Is the is the government going to support those? Uh, It's energy prices. Well, we may see some action there, but is it going to be complete? The consumer in Europe looks like it is facing a number of different really difficult problems at the moment. And I'm wondering whether or not that's enough to bring down growth forecasts from circa 4 percent now down to zero or potentially below that.
4: I definitely think 4% growth is not going to happen. As you say, those forecasts are now too old. Don't forget the market, though. There's a real distinction between economist forecasts and the market. I think the European markets now down 14-15% are already pricing a mild recession. So whatever happens to the economist forecast, I think the actual stock markets are already there. You know, I agree. I don't think governments are going to absorb the full cost of that, but I think they will insulate lower income households, the bottom half of the income spectrum, and then the upper half of the income spectrum have been saving because they haven't been allowed out for the last two years because of the pandemic. So I don't think that this is you know a a real wage catastrophe. I also think that um, that, that you know we have to remember because there's so much reflection on the 1970s, That we've been through many periods in the past where real wages have been squeezed or falling, and it hasn't given us a recession. What's given us a recession is when the central banks worry about inflation, slam on the brakes. I don't think we're going to hear that from the ECB. I think they're going to say, he can't bring down energy prices by raising rates. That's going to slow the economy. We're not going to compound the problem. We'll hear reassurance from them, and they'll be supportive.
1: Okay, well, Justina, I'm taking a look right now at oil prices reacting to all of this news up more than 7 percent on both Brent and WTI. Brent at 132, oil at 128. Clearly all of this kind of fueling the inflation or stagflation narrative. Where in the market does the greatest repricing need to happen for a kind of recession scenario? Or is that already starting to be priced in?
3: I think we're definitely starting to see that, um, you know, in equities and And obviously, you know, after such a sharp move in commodities, I was reading kind of a note from Bernstein just then, and it pointed out something really interesting, which is that we haven't really seen a drastic flattening in the European yield curve yet, whereas we've actually seen that in the U.S. So that would seem to indicate that For whatever reason, in terms of the yield curve, the expectations are not that pessimistic just yet.
2: Is the yield curve a real reflection of reality here in Europe, given the involvement of the ECB at such a high level?
3: Yeah, I mean, that, that is a great point because, like, I guess in the U.S., what we've seen is, you know, people were expecting the Fed to raise. And so the, the short end kind of went up, but the long end didn't go up as much. And hence, there was a lot of flattening. But in Europe, we kind of haven't seen that yet. And maybe some of that has to do with, you know, different expectations for the ECB. Clearly, Karen, when we came into this year, we thought the picture was going to look a
1: lot different. And one of the consensus calls was Europe over U.S., those value trades over growth. Does this situation present potentially now the reverse of that, where Europe may underperform and growth
4: actually could play a role again? Right now, but I I do think we need to be careful about getting whipsawed here, because if there is some degree of resolution or at least a a moderate de-escalation, we're going to be in a position where many of those earlier narratives could actually be accelerated. We've got more inflationary pressure into the system. We've potentially got the central banks having to therefore tighten by more if the recovery then gets going. And this is not a a recession and a growth risk. And it was really the rates story that was driving that rotation. It was the prospect of higher interest rates, steeper curves, supporting the financials, perhaps being at detriment to uh, some of the growthier, the tech areas of the market where. Rising rates have not proved so supported as been headwinds to those valuations. So I think we should be really careful about today, given the moves that we've already seen, um, getting whipsawed by actually shifting positions materially, you know, pro-US over Europe, for example. Because if we do get to a point in six weeks, two months time, we could be right back to discussing, you know, all of the central banks having to catch up. But how much
2: damage could still be done, Karen? I, let's go back to the starting question. I, are we realistically pricing the risk of what is happening here? Are markets functioning properly as a balancing mechanism, uh, risk and reward? We have so much uncertainty, it strikes me that th- that is incredibly difficult at the moment. How much damage can be t- done between now and then? What's the strategy between now and then in terms of managing a portfolio? Do you just sit tight? Do you just not do anything? or do you actively have to reposition around this?
4: You, you want more you want more moderate risk position, absolutely. I mean, as we say, the beginning narrative was these economies are so strong, the central banks are behind the curve. You don't want government bonds in that environment. You want it to be heavily overweight, equities and short government bonds. That's not where you want to be today. You definitely want a more moderate position. You want to be thinking about your balance. You want to be thinking about dollar, gold. Um, treasuries at the moment, for all the while, central banks are doing what I suspect, which is offering supportive comments to supporting gold. They are going to prove, prove the ballast. So you, you definitely want to be thinking. But I just think, given the moves that have already happened, if you were to today think about, okay, well, I was positioned pro Europe um, and um, over and underweight the US. Switching today at today's prices may not then be the right thing, given the prospects of that return um, of the earlier narrative of inflation and rising rates, in which case, you know, and as I say, that rotation was very much about tech financials, value Mm. growth, and that was was driving the regional rotation.
1: Well, and obviously part of the rotation as well is about relative earnings performance, Justina. And I was reading out of Citigroup earlier, earnings revisions, net earnings revisions are actually negative now for the first time since September 2020. Is this market prepared for a potential rollover as well in corporate profits and that support going away?
3: Right. I think we really have to think about, you know, the shock that's come from, this invasion because on one hand you have companies whose input prices might depend on commodities and on the other you know for a lot of consumer discretionary companies I mean the hit to consumer spending really could be a hit um, to that bottom line and that's why we're kind of seeing valuations come down so rapidly already
2: yeah uh, one area that we're certainly not seeing profitability proving to be a problem is the energy sector Karen do you think ESG is stopping people investing in the energy sector right now. Uh, It is having a huge impact on people's performance, portfolio managers' performance. Um, Do you think that is a factor at the moment? And to your earlier point about has the move already happened, would it be dangerous at this point given the potential for huge amounts of volatility going forward to invest in the energy sector?
4: Yeah, I mean the, the two different questions there. I mean, let, let's put ESG for what aside for just one moment and just think we do have to be very careful when we get to very elevated commodity prices and it's it, energy stocks have done terribly well. We have to remember that at some point high energy prices themselves um, destroy their own demand. And therefore, as recession risks rise, that's why you tend to see In historical cycles, big pickup in energy prices, but then big declines. So, as we get higher, 130 now, I think actually um, allocating more to energy doesn't look an obvious trade to me. You want to be thinking, as you're talking about, that demand destruction really becoming the dominant theme. Um, I think on the broader ESG front, to me, the one thing we can say with absolute conviction today is the momentum behind um, transitioning. Our energy policies, two different sources, and dramatically different energy efficiency. That was a 2050 ambition. It's Mm -hmm. now a winter 2022 ambition. The game has changed completely. The resources that will be thrown at this will be tremendous. That's an area where I think we should have absolute conviction about deploying capital.
1: All right. Karen Ward of JP Morgan Asset Management. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks as well to Bloomberg's Justina Lee. And coming up we're going to talk more about that transition that Karen was just talking about the implications of an oil embargo on product imports coming from Russia. What that may mean for whether or not that transition needs to be accelerated as well here in the U.S. Of course we're waiting to hear from President Biden preparing to take the next step in punishing Moscow for the invasion of Ukraine by banning those Russian oil imports. It's a story Bloomberg ANNE-MARIE HORDERN BROKE LAST WEEK. DETAILS NEXT. THIS IS BLOOMBERG. Not long from now, the Biden administration is set to ban imports of Russian oil and other forms of energy. We are expecting to hear from the president later on this hour. Anne-Marie Hordern was one of the Bloomberg reporters who broke this story, and she joins us now from Washington. So, Anne-Marie, we understand that the U.K. is moving to make a similar ban on oil imports from Russia. The EU, though, it looks like the administration may be acting if not in defiance, not in coordination with. Is the Biden administration assuming that the rest of Europe will follow its lead?
5: Well, at the moment, they've been talking to the European Union, but I spoke to an EU official very early this morning who said Europe's just not there yet, and I don't think the world expects Europe to be there. I mean, if you just look at Germany alone, they are heavily, heavily reliant on Russian fossil fuels. Now, Olaf Scholz said yesterday they want to loosen that dependence on Moscow, but it's not going to happen overnight. So you do see movements in Europe to try to move to renewables, building more LNG facilities, but it just cannot happen right away. But what we do know is that the administration has been consulting their European allies. So while they are making this decision unilaterally without them, and it comes on the heels of Canada, we have reporting that the U.K. will be next. Europe will not be alongside them in this ban.
2: AMH, what is going to replace this oil? I'm always surprised at how much the United States does import. Vicky Holler just been talking over the last few minutes, uh, the Oxy CEO, saying that U.S. oil drillers cannot significantly expand output. What fills the gap?
5: Well, over the weekend we did have U.S. officials in Venezuela. Potentially they can fill this gap, especially if you look at the grades of crude. What comes from Russia is a very heavy, thick, high sulfur, viscous grade. Potentially Venezuela could fill that gap. Now, there's an embargo on Venezuelan crude. Venezuela has the most proven oil reserves in the world. Potentially this is an opening. Then, of course, there's talks of Iranian nuclear agreement. Uh, Hossein Amir Abdolehan, the foreign minister of Iran, has been very optimistic in Iranian press coming out of Tehran that there could be an agreement. Potentially, Iran could fill some of this. And then, of course, there's the U.S.'s ally in the Gulf. That's the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So far, they have not been willing to act. Potentially, does that change? I would say these are the three countries that could potentially have a little bit more of an immediate impact
1: on the crude market. Speaking of things that could fill the gap, Anne-Marie, what about renewables and how does this potentially relate to spending out of Washington? I noticed uh, Jan Hatzius over at Goldman Sachs Publishing earlier today. This is part of what he said. He said the odds of some form of renewable legislation passing has risen. The impact on energy prices from recent events and the importance of energy considerations and sanctions discussions could motivate lawmakers on both sides of the Atlantic to accelerate the shift to renewable energy. Marie, is this in some backwards way a way of the president getting more of his climate agending and the spend agenda and the spending that comes with it through Congress? It's a great point. I imagine the president when he takes
5: the podium today at 10:45 a.m. scheduled to, he's set to that this is what he will lean into. He ran as a climate president. He wanted to transform the grid of America and where and how we heat our homes, fuel our cars, etc. So this would likely be something the administration, and they have already been talking about this, more money towards renewables. And when you looked at his Build Back Better legislation, climate was actually one of the issues that Senator Joe Manchin, who came out and said that that bill was dead, but that he can get on board with some of these climate initiatives. So potentially this could put the impetus on Congress to move more money to some of those renewable agenda.
2: Great reporting, AMH. Fantastic work. Thank you very much indeed for joining us to update us. Bloomberg's Amory Hordern joining us out of Washington DC. As we've been indicating, President Biden set to announce those actions that Amory has been discussing. Uh, we think that's going to happen later this hour. Time always a little bit flexible when it comes to these sort of events. But when they do happen, when the president speaks, the remarks on Russia that he's going to deliver, we will bring them to you. Uh, I just want to update you on some headlines that are coming out right now. Uh, the UK is to produce a ban on Russian oil. That will include refined products um, and crude. So we'll get some more details on that coming out of Whitehall, I would expect, over the last next few minutes, last few minutes. Um, You've also got the uh, National Intelligence Director in the United States. He's speaking at a hearing right now talking about uh, Russian forces are acting with disregard for civilian lives, uh, that Russia is loosening the rules of engagement, Russia encountering serious military shortcomings. You've also got, and this is another story that's worth referencing, Franz Tim- Timmermans of the European Commission. He's the European Green Deal, European uh, uh, Vice, Com- Vice Commissioner, Vice President. Um, he's holding a press conference right now. He is indicating that actually the EU has no plans to sell debt to finance the energy issues that we are encountering right now. So a number of different headlines uh, breaking at the moment. We'll continue to keep you updated. We'll move towards those presidential comments that are coming up very shortly. In the meantime, let's check in with the Bloomberg First Word News. Here with that, Bloomberg's Riddika Gupta.
6: Thanks, Guy. The European Union is set to propose a new round of sanctions that would target a total of 14 individuals, including a number of wealthy Russians and their family members. But Bloomberg has learned the measures will stop short of More far-reaching steps like penalizing ports, the EU package being considered, also includes cutting off three Belarus banks from the SWIFT international payment system. And the price of wheat fluctuated near an all-time high after exceeding levels seen during the global food crisis back in 2008. Traders are assessing the impact of Russia's war in Ukraine, that's effectively cut off more than a quarter of the world's wheat exports. Global News 24 HOURS today on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Rich This is Bloomberg, Kaylee. Fritika, thank you. Well, still ahead, we'll talk clean aviation. Fortescue and Airbus
1: are teaming up. We'll talk with the company's chairman of Fortescue, that is Andrew Forrest. This is Bloomberg.
2: So Franz Timmermans, who is the European vice president at the European Commission for the European Green Deal, there's a lot of Europeans in there, aren't there, uh, is holding a press conference right now. Some possibility we may get to talk to him a little bit later on. Um, Asked about this Bloomberg report, which we put out a little bit earlier on, talking about the fact the EU is looking at the possibility of using joint debt once again, this time to raise money for financing A... The energy costs of what is happening with the Ukraine wall and the impact on, on Europe, and then the rearmament story. Timmermans talking about this, basically saying at the moment there are no plans to sell debt to finance this energy story. So, what you're seeing now is a, a, a reaction in the BTP bund spread. You're seeing bund yields coming down a little bit. Uh, they were very elevated a little bit earlier on in reaction to this. So, hopefully, we'll get an opportunity to catch up with Timmermans mm. very, very shortly, Kaylee. We'll see what happens there, but certainly a market reaction to these headlines. Over the last few minutes.
1: Just as there was a market reaction to the headlines on the initial Bloomberg report. And of course, this follows the Russian threat to potentially cut off gas flows to Europe. Now, the U.S. and U.K. looking at banning Russian oil imports. we we'll are talk, talk more about the energy implications. The International Energy Agency is ready to recommend another release from emergency oil stockpiles if it's needed. We'll have more of our interview with the director, Fatih roll next. This is Bloomberg. We're about an hour into the U.S. trading session. Bloomberg's Abigail Doolittle is watching the moves. Abigail, you got some action in stocks but a lot more in bonds and commodities.
7: Much more so in bonds and commodities. And here's the commodity side of it. But up top stocks some volatility there because of course the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq 100 earlier higher now down about seven tenths of one percent and nine tenths of one percent respectively having everything to do with the continued surge in commodities that Kaylee was talking about in particular oil of course the UK banning oil imports from uh, Russia that hitting uh, or I should say sending oil uh, higher hitting it to the upside and of course the expectation the Bloomberg exclusive earlier that President Biden expected to announce a ban a U.S. ban on Russian imports of oil as well. So oil higher. Stocks lower. It shows sector wise too. If we go into the Bloomberg and use the IMAP, we are going to see that most sectors are lower. On bottom, healthcare, uh, information technology, and consumer staples. Now, we are up the lows. At the lows, more sectors were down 1%, but there's one clear winner that is energy up 3.9%, heading to another big up year. Of course, the top sector last year up more than 45% up in a big way. And if we take a look at oil guy, it's just incredible. How long can this surge go? Because, of course, oil right now at its highest level since 2008. So you can see over the last roughly five years, oil had sort of flatlined, let's call it. There had been that volatility, of course, in 2020. But it looks like nothing relative to the upside volatility that we have now. Here is a true parabolic uptrend. Take a look at this. It is straight up as in a needle higher. Physics: A 90-degree angle cannot hold. So, at some point, this is going to collapse. But Steve Sosnick over at Interactive Brokers he makes the great point that markets can stay irrational longer than some investors can stay solvent. So, it's hard to know when this will collapse. But that cannot hold, guy. At some point, we're going to see all of this move back to the downside. Stay tuned for more volatility ahead.
2: Yeah. Where does it come down to, I guess, is the question. Are we going to be in a situation where we're going to have to live with more elevated oil prices going forward? You take a look at the contract table. You look at the curve. We're 100 bucks plus for quite some time in terms of the way that the curve is structured right now. The price of crude, Abigail, looks certainly uh, to be a huge factor going forward from here in terms of the global economy. The Bank of America, uh, Bank of America, Bank of America, now warning that we are in what it calls an ugly scenario. Brent potentially could be peaking at 175 bucks a barrel. Think of Abigail's kind of vertical line here. (laughs) Uh, The IEA saying it's ready to recommend that member countries do release more crude from emergency stockpiles if needed. Are we at that point already? Here's what some people on Bloomberg have been saying to us about this story.
8: the amount of stocks we release uh, as of uh, last week uh, was only four percent of our stock uh, reserves. There is a lot of oil there and it will be at the disposal of the markets uh, in order to help to stabilize the markets. But I should tell you uh, that the uh, I am rather disappointed with the uh, several uh, producing uh, countries Uh, who did not take the necessary measures to uh, uh, comfort the market. Those uh, uh, colleagues those uh, uh, countries who said they are there to stabilize the markets. We have not seen that uh, recently. And uh, I would say this was really disappointing uh, uh, from my perspective.
9: Yeah. Why is the IEA then not pressuring Saudi Arabia more to increase production or is that happening behind the
8: scenes. So we are talking with all the uh, countries around the world. Uh, we are uh, reminding them that the, uh, if the markets uh, the turmoil continues it is not in the benefit of anybody uh, as I see now. Uh, but uh, it is of course up to them uh, to decide. I think your, uh, the previous colleague you talked with uh, saying that there was not enough spare production capacity. This is not uh, right. There is a there is significant amount of uh, spare production capacity and one may take uh, some of them uh, bring it to the markets. And I, I would also tell you that uh, we are very soon we are going to come up with some suggestions how to reduce the oil uh, demand uh, uh, in a hurry. Mm -hmm. What we can uh, do there on the demand side. uh, Some uh, regulatory voluntary measures that the governments can take to consuming countries Mm -hmm. to uh, uh, reduce the demand in addition to the possible impact of the high oil prices on the uh, demand growth.
1: That was IEA Executive Director Fatih b speaking with Bloomberg's Francine Lacqua earlier. And, Guy, while we were listening to that interview, interestingly, we're starting to get some headlines out from the University CEO, Klaus Dieter Malbach, who's speaking in an interview, and he says that they're following German government guidance to avoid a supply supply crisis and Germany has told the company it can buy more Russian gas. And to me, Guy, this gets to the root of the question, is Germany and then therefore the rest of Europe going to get on board with a potential embargo of Russian oil and gas as we're seeing the U.S. and the U.K. set to make those moves
2: you go into the the tables of the exposure that european countries have mm-hmm. to russian gas and places like bulgaria it's 100% germany's at around 50% some of the scandinavian countries are a little bit higher changing that on a dime really not possible and yes there are reserves and unipus talking about that but we need continued flow of Russian gas into these economies. It's interesting that Gazprom is also out within the last few minutes, uh, or we have had confirmation within the last few minutes, the Gazprom has booked extra Yamal link capacity into Germany for Tuesday, i.e. there's more Russian gas, Kaylee, coming into Europe right now. The flow has not stopped. Really difficult. We were talking earlier on in the program about the impact that, that gas flow stoppages would cause to the European economy. We're CIRCA 4% IN TERMS OF THE NUMBERS THAT THE EUROPEAN COMMISSION IS EXPECTING FOR GROWTH THIS YEAR, THAT NUMBER WOULD BE MASSIVELY LOWER, ALREADY IS PROBABLY GOING TO BE MASSIVELY mm-hmm. LOWER AS A RESULT OF WHAT IS HAPPENING. BUT you cut the, the cut of, YOU CUT THE PRICE OF, YOU CUT THE GAS OFF, THEN WE MAY HAVE A, a MUCH, MUCH WORSE SITUATION.
1: Yeah, absolutely because of while Europe is trying to transition to renewables, it is a transition and thereby it takes some time. Yep. So coming up we're going to talk more about that. The European Union is warned that it must speed up its green transition so that it can rely less on Russian energy. We'll be talking with the EU Commission first vice president Franz Timmermans next. This is Bloomberg. <laughs>
6: This is Bloomberg Markets. I'm Gupta, and you're looking at a live shot of the principal room. Coming up, the Fiverr's chairman and CEO, Albert Baller, joins Bloomberg TV at noon, new, new York time. This is Bloomberg. Let's check in on the Bloomberg First Word news. I'm Rishika Gupta. The Iran nuclear talks have been thrown into confusion by a demand from Russia. Moscow wants a U.S. guarantee that sanctions over the invasion of Ukraine won't affect its work with Iran. Last week, diplomats from most sides were saying a deal was just days away. Hong Kong reportedly may drop mass testing as a coronavirus priority. The newspaper Ming Pao says that instead. The priority may be placed on reducing deaths from COVID. According to the report, the potential shift comes after the leader of China's COVID response team visited China. And the London Metal Exchange halted trading in its nickel market after that unprecedented price spike. Nickel rising by as much as 250% over the past two days alone to hit record highs above $100,000 a ton. That left brokers struggling to pay margin calls against some deeply unprofitable short positions. Global News. 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Ritika Gupta. This is Bloomberg Guy.
2: Ritika, thank you very much indeed. Let's get more on that unprecedented spike that we are seeing in the nickel market. Bloomberg's Joe Doe, who covers metals and agriculture for us, joins us now. Joe, do we know when this market is going to reopen? Do we know how long it is going to take to sort out what has happened with this short position, the margin calls that go with it, and whether ultimately they do get paid?
10: Yeah, I think the short answer is we don't know exactly when this market might open. Uh, earlier today, Javier Blas, one of my uh, colleagues, was saying that his sources were telling him, you know, it could be the, the exchange for nickel will probably be closed tomorrow. It's uncertain after that. It could, it could extend that long. I mean, we're really in uncharted territory here. I, I hate to use the words, but that's really what we're talking about. I mean, waking up, excuse me, at one in the morning, seeing prices going from 60 to 80 to then $100,000 a ton was unbelievable. And now that the market is trying to unwind and figure out what's going on here, I think that's really the most important thing uh, at the moment.
1: Well, Joe, actually, 1 a.m. is about the time I was waking up. So that was indeed true for me. Obviously, what we're seeing in nickel is pretty detached from the fundamentals here. But for some of the other metals, we have also seen really incredible rallies. And I'm wondering if that is actually more reflective of reality.
10: Yeah, I I mean, on nickel, I, I think you nailed the point here, which you're hearing from everybody, from analysts to traders. It's not a fundamental move, right? This is a large, short squeeze. And we had reporting from my colleagues Alf Song and uh, Jack Farchi, who, according to sources, were saying that this was Shan, the largest nickel producer on the planet. They had a massive number of short positions that they're trying to cover uh, with other metals. Uh, you know, this is very much getting back to the fundamental play. When Russia is no longer, uh, you know, a normal actor in the world for financial markets, the questions become: Well, can we continue to do business with them? I mean, they are a massive producer of nickel. They are a massive producer of aluminum. They are in every bit of this. And for traders right now trying to determine if business that they've just expected to flow through Russia, like literally flow through Russia, Mm. can no longer be a part
2: of their plan. I mean, that's really what you've been seeing now for the past two weeks. Joe, commodities are often used as collateral. Is the market functioning properly? Is there a collateral problem here? Some of these assets are very hard to value right now, uh, and their use as collateral therefore needs to be questioned. Is there a liquidity problem that could ultimately flow from this?
10: I think this is a real discussion happening uh, in various circles throughout the market globally. I, I think in nickel, obviously, this is the big question, right? I mean, nickel is just like in a totally different stratosphere. I mean, I was talking to one aluminum trader just yesterday who said, listen, WITH ALUMINUM, WE'VE SEEN IT GO TO A RECORD, BUT A LOT OF PEOPLE HAD AT LEAST PUT ON SOME HEDGES THAT A CRISIS COULD HAPPEN, MAYBE NOT TO THIS LEVEL, BUT THEY EXPECTED MAYBE SOMETHING BAD COULD HAPPEN. SO I THINK, uh, you know, AGAIN, TO BE CLEAR, WHEN YOU'RE TALKING ABOUT LIQUIDITY AND MARKET, THIS IS SOME VERY SERIOUS STUFF. Yeah. I THINK WITH NICKEL, WE OBVIOUSLY HAVE a, a PROBLEM THAT NEEDS TO BE SORTED OUT. WITH MANY OF THE OTHER METALS, I'M NOT SO SURE THAT WE'RE QUITE THERE. and I, I DON'T KNOW IF THAT'S SOMETHING THAT THE TRADERS ARE AS WORRIED ABOUT.
1: Well, Joe, this may be an unfair question, but how was the LME not prepared for this kind of scenario? I mean, literally, how did this happen?
10: Yeah, I I think a lot more reporting is going to have to be done to figure out, uh, you know, really what was what behind all of this. I mean, people have been referring to the the 10 scenario that happened back in the 1980s, Mm. which was kind of the LME's darkest moment. Uh, You know, I, I think there's just so much there's so little clarity as to what happened and why it happened so quickly. Uh, and to finally get down to you know how the LME acted or did not act, uh, I, I think there's more to see to come on that one.
2: Joe, really interesting reporting. I, we've been all glued to this story over the last 24 hours. Bloomberg's Joe Doe, thank you very much indeed. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> So let's talk about the energy transition from a different perspective. Clearly, high energy costs are forcing a, a rethink of a number of different strategies moving forward in terms of energy transitions. Fortescue, the mining giant, and Airbus, the aviation giant, teaming up to help decarbonise aviation. The companies uh, have announced today that they'll be working together on a plan to use green hydrogen based aircraft. The plan to be in place by 2035. Joining us now is Andrew Forrest, Fortescue Metals Group Chairman. Andrew, thank you very much indeed for your time today. The events of the last few days have in many ways changed a lot of people's perception of the energy transition. Natural gas prices in Europe going through the roof. Uh, We're seeing metals prices going through the roof as well. We've just been talking about what's been happening in the nickel market. How much does a plan like the one you've proposed today change continue to stack up as a result of the shifting prices that we're seeing for these key components that are going going to go into this energy transition?
11: That's a great question. Green hydrogen, green ammonia, green electricity was really competitive before, but there was resistance. We're finding that resistance now falling away. As everybody now understands, we have to get off fossil fuel. We have to become energy independent in Europe or North America or Australia. You have the opportunity now to become fully energy independent because you have green energy on your doorstep, over your head, all around you. Now's the time to tap it.
1: Okay, Mr. Forrest, and that's obviously a very admirable goal, but at the same time, when it comes to green hydrogen in particular, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of capital in order to produce it. I've read estimates that an $11 trillion investment in production and storage worldwide would be needed through 2050, and more electricity than the world generates now to have green hydrogen meet a quarter of the world's energy needs. Do we literally have enough energy to produce this alternative form of energy?
11: Yeah, so we need to we need to break through that thinking. Green energy is easily the cheapest and getting much cheaper um, form of electricity or of energy than the world has ever seen. So we're going to be able to pro- produce way way more energy than we ever have in the past, and we're going to do it without a molecule of carbon or its big ugly brother methane into the atmosphere. This this these are great points you're making. But put it in the frame that the abundance of energy, which is green and commercial, is thousands of times more than humanity will ever need.
2: But in order to get there and in order to get there quickly, Andrew, we are going to have to build a lot of wind turbines. We're going to have to do a lot of things that are are going to be incredibly expensive. The, the price tag for, for producing this energy is going up and up and up. Ultimately, once built, the energy is very, very cheap and has, has a very low carbon footprint. But to get to that point appears day by day to becoming more and more expensive. I, I listened to the Vesta CEO talking about the input cost issues that he's facing in terms of building wind turbines. The problems are mounting. Are the timelines and the cost estimates currently realistic?
11: Well, look, I could not more virulently di- you know, disagree. If, if you're looking at time and money, then I can tell you green energy is so much simpler than building a great oil and gas refinery or trying to put in a nuclear power plant. Hey, I'd rather put in a few solar panels and wind turbines than those honking, great, smelly things. We're getting approvals fast. We're getting capital fast. And just think of this. We're one company. One company. We've committed to 15 million tonnes of green hydrogen by 2030. That would take out all of Germany's reliance on Russia today. We've started work on this two years ago. We're full steam ahead and we're just one company.
1: Yeah. Obviously that partnership with Airbus really focused on research and development. I'd want to get to the heart of what Fortescue's original business was, though, and that was metals. We were just talking about what we saw with nickel today. The LME actually having to close the market due to that short squeeze. Obviously those prices going up dramatically. Nickel is crucial when we think about electric vehicles when we think about lithium ion batteries. How does the metal supply Factor into the ability of this green transition and maybe the inability to accelerate it at the current moment?
11: Recycling. We have in Fortescue Future Industries, we're wholly owned part of Fortescue Metals Group, as you pointed out. We're already Australia's top performing company for shareholder returns by several times in the last 20 years. We're going to continue that energy, that talent, that growth. We're putting it all into renewable energy. We will be the world's first fully fully integrated resources and renewable energy company. So when you're talking lithium, when you're talking iron, when you're talking nickel, we expect to be a one-stop shop for that and your hydrogen and your ammonia and your green electricity. So we don't see it as the challenge you do. We have, we have these exploration targets, we have these projects and we're just getting on with it. We will be able to meet the world demand, yes, Commodities go up and down in price, but consistency of supply just continues to grow on a very solid path, and we'll be helping that path along strongly.
2: Andrew, on a day like today, I'm really happy to hear your optimism, (laughs) because certainly we are in need of such optimism. Andrew Forrest, Fortescue Metals Group Chairman, sir, thank you very much indeed for your time. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what is happening over the next few minutes. In theory... We should currently be listening to President Biden talking about an energy embargo on Russia. I suspect that the president will be speaking probably in the next hour. The EU, though, is not going along with the U.S. and to a certain extent the U.K.'s decision to limit Russian energy supplies into its economy. Let's talk a little bit about that right now and and the plans maybe to lessen the impact of Uh, Russian energy into Europe. Franz Timmermans joins us uh, from the European Commission. He's effectively in charge uh, of the European Green Deal. He's a European uh, Vice President at the Commission. Um, Commissioner, thank you very much indeed for taking some time to talk with us. I know you've had an incredibly busy day. In the next few minutes, President Biden is going to announce a ban on Russian energy into the U.S. economy. Is the European, is the EU in a position To be able to
12: replicate such a ban. Would such a ban be possible? I have just announced in the last hour that we will reduce our uh, uh, gas imports from Russia by two-thirds before the end of this year. So I think that's a substantial contribution to um, increasing our energy sovereignty. Um, We will still be looking into uh, the um, uh, oil markets, That is something that's still on the table, the the possibility of sanctions there. This is something that will be discussed by our leaders uh, next Thursday and Friday in Versailles near Paris. Um, Nothing is off off the table, but we're not taking the same decision uh, as President Biden apparently is taking today. But we have announced today that we will reduce our natural gas imports by two thirds uh, before the end of this year.
1: I'm wondering about the funding to do so, uh, Mr. Tim- Timmermans. You said earlier, when asked about the Bloomberg report about potential joint debt issuance from the European Union to finance energy and defense, you said that the EU has no plans to do so, to sell debt to finance energy. How then do you make this transition and shift away from that dependency on Russia?
12: First of all, a lot of what we're doing is already uh, in our plans. Um, that we've presented uh, in our uh, recovery and resilience plans that we've discussed with uh, our member states. Uh, But I'm sure that our our leaders will come back to the issue of financing also next Thursday and Friday because it is clear to me that this um, uh, enhanced energy transition uh, that we will now be going through, the need to revisit some strategic choices we need to make. You know, the world has changed on the 24th of February, and we need to bear the consequences of that and that will also have financial consequences, but this is something typically for our leaders to discuss yep. later this week. So, so
2: you are not saying that this is off the table, it potentially could be discussed, some sort of joint financing to deal with the current energy crisis that Europe is facing could potentially be discussed in Versailles, you're not saying that that is not going to happen?
12: Well. Well, uh, it depends on, on uh, what the French uh, presidency will bring uh, to the table. But let me let me be very clear: um, we don't have the luxury anymore to say that anything's off the table uh, as of the 24th of February. Uh, we're confronted with a Russian leader who um, has invaded uh, a neighbouring country, a democratic country, a country that shares our values. Uh, this is a threat to our collective security and. You know, I'm really, really um, 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 happy that we've found such common ground with our transatlantic allies and that we've been working. You know, Putin tried for 20 years to create division in Europe, to create division between the U.S. and Europe, and he's failed completely. We're more united than ever before, and which also means that we don't have the luxury to say that some issues would be off the table. We need to be able to confront Uh, uh, everything. And there should be no taboos also in terms of finances.
1: Okay, so nothing is off the table. Let's talk about realistic timelines for European energy independence, at least from Russia. When do you think you could reach that in entirety?
12: Well, um, uh, two thirds uh, less gas is already quite something uh, by the end of this year. And then the years after that, we will step by step reduce uh, our gas imports uh, from Russia to to zero. Uh, But also we have to uh, uh, watch very carefully what's going to happen in Russia. Uh, Are they going to change their stance? Uh, Are they going to return or come to the same values we share? I don't know. Uh, It doesn't look look very promising. It looks like we're set for a long period of, of also ideological confrontation. And to face that yep. period, we need to be more resilient. And the only way to become more resilient in the energy sector is by producing your own energy. And the only energy we can produce ourselves in Europe, basically, is renewable energy. Solar, wind, biogas, that's where we need to invest in now, and rapidly.
2: Franz Timmermans, does this mean that European consumers, European industry, will, in the short to medium term, be paying higher prices for energy? And is that a price that you think is worth paying?
12: Well, I think there's always a price worth paying for uh, liberty, for freedom and democracy. And I think there is a a huge understanding with our citizens that now we're defending our basic freedoms uh, and we're defending that uh, um, collectively uh, with the United States and Canada. And I believe we need to make sure that um, we increase the resilience of our industry. There will be a cost of that, but I think that's an investment uh, worth uh, making. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, there is no cheaper energy than renewable energy. This is absolutely, hands down, the cheapest energy humanity has ever had. And you were saying earlier in the, in the previous conversation that you need massive investment. We've never heard anybody complain about the massive investment that's still ongoing in fossil fuels. Uh, only part of that level of investment will get us to energy sovereignty in Europe through renewable energy. So I think we need need to get cracking with this and we need to move on very rapidly.
1: The clock certainly is ticking and I know it's ticking for you. So thank you for giving us some of your valuable time. Franz Timmermans, EU Commission, first vice president, appreciate it. Bloomberg European Close is next.
4: Audio Jungle.
13: We're
14: boarded jungle. Audio Jungle.
4: Audio Jungle. We're jungle. jungle.
14: But without further ado this lunchtime, let's get straight to the Chelsea takeover situation. There's been significant developments today in the race to buy the club from Roman Abramovich to bring us up to speed. As you can see, chief reporter Carve Solical is here. Carve, let's start with American interest then. And a formal offer from the US businessman Todd Burley and Swiss billionaire Hans-Jörg Weiss. Tell us about this one.
15: Yes, they are the first people to put in a bid for Chelsea. Uh, But the bid is not at the level that I think Roman Abramovich was asking for. Uh, He wants about £3 billion. I think most people uh, think that that valuation is too high. But Todd Burley, especially, is somebody who has tried to buy Chelsea in the past, uh, about four years ago. Uh, he offered £2.2 billion for Chelsea. He didn't succeed in buying the club at that time. But of course, this time around, uh, Roman Abramovich wants to sell. So they're the first uh, people who've shown their hand. There is lots of other interest in America. That's where most of the interest is coming from. Uh, for instance, uh, the Ricketts family who own the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they're interested as well. Also, Josh Harris, who uh, owns the Philadelphia 76ers uh, basketball team in the States. He also co owns a minority stake in Crystal Palace, so that would complicate uh, him uh, being involved in a consortium to buy Chelsea. And there's also uh, interest reportedly from the former. U.S. ambassador to the United Kingdom, uh, a man called Woody Johnson, who's not commenting on the moment uh, with uh, not commenting on reports linking him with a move for Chelsea. He owns the New York Jets NFL team. Uh, He was uh, the ambassador to the U.K. for four years, lived in London. Uh, He went to see Chelsea quite a lot. So he's another name in the frame. Most of the interest at the moment coming from uh, the U.S., there is some interest in Europe as well. Okay. Closer to home, though. Um,
14: You've been speaking with Nick Candy's representatives this morning.
15: What did they have to say? Well, Nick Candy is a luxury property developer. Uh, He's made a lot of money along with his brother uh, developing... Uh, properties in central London, uh, sort of mega million pound properties. He also happens to be a Chelsea supporter, uh, Chelsea season ticket holder. And he has confirmed that he is trying to put a consortium together to buy Chelsea. Uh, His spokesperson has provided uh, a quote uh, for us, which was also uh, in a few newspapers this morning. And he says, uh, Mr Candy is actively exploring a number of options for a potential bid for Chelsea. Any bid would be made in conjunction with another party and we have serious interest from several international partners. Mr Candy has a huge affinity with Chelsea. He's been watching matches at Stamford Bridge since the age of four. The club deserves a world-class stadium and infrastructure and Mr Candy's unique expertise and background in real estate would be a hugely valuable asset to delivering this vision. Of course, what they're talking about there is the fact that it's generally accepted that Stamford Bridge needs to be redeveloped or Chelsea need to build a new stadium? It was something that Roman Abramovich was considering doing until he dropped his plans in 2018. And of course, Nick Candy is somebody who's made all his money from property in central London. So you would think that he would be well placed uh, to oversee the redevelopment of Stamford Bridge or the building of a new stadium. I don't think on his own, he has the money to be able to buy Chelsea, uh, and he makes it very clear in the uh, statement that's been released that he is looking at forming a consortium with other interested parties. Okay.
14: So, quite a lot of information I am processing, Carvey, that you've just told me there. Okay. Uh, How does this all actually work? Is Chelsea an enticing proposition? I mean, I know they're world and European champions, but football is an expensive business. And and how do these individuals move from interest
15: to bids to buying? Well, look, the sale is being marketed by investment bank, the Rain Group. Uh, They've been appointed by Roman Abramovich to handle the sale. And... uh, If you want to buy Chelsea, you contact them or they contact you. They've been contacting people uh, who they know are interested in buying Premier League uh, clubs. What then you need to do is sign a non-disclosure agreement, show that you have proof of funds to be able to afford to buy Chelsea. And then at that stage, uh, you will be given access to financial information uh, about Chelsea, so you know what you will be buying. And as far as rain are concerned, they want opening offers to be in by the 15th of March, uh, which is next Tuesday. Now, as far as the price is concerned, £3 billion in today's climate is a lot of money, and it's far more than anyone has ever paid uh, for a football club anywhere in the world. Uh, I suppose the other issue you've got is... A lot of people who buy football clubs buy it as what they like to call a project. So they like to buy something, uh, spend some money on it, make it even more successful. The problem you've got with Chelsea is they're already very, very successful. They're the world and European champions. And also at £3 billion and then probably another £1 billion to redevelop the stadium or build a new stadium, that is a £4 billion investment. And how much is that going to be worth in the future? What is your return on that investment going to be? Uh, By way of comparison, for instance, uh, Newcastle United was sold for 300 million pounds. And the people who bought that club think, if we can sort this out, throw some money at it, uh, develop the club, uh, buy better players, then in a few years' time, we could be worth billions. But I think Chelsea, at three billion pounds plus the billion pounds that it would take to redevelop the stadium, looks very, very expensive. And I'd be very surprised if Roman Abramovich got the three billion that he was asking for.
14: Okay, we watch them. A-
13: Audio. Audio.
16: touches early and often in this ball game. Yeah. The way to get on the basketball court is to defend. Be a defensive stopper for our team. Well, you can't go under the screen. Okay, look. And even in the first game of this tournament against Rutgers, McKenzie Holmes, she had 11 points. And she didn't quite look like the McKenzie Holmes at all. Oh, oh, oh. Sonato gets another two. She uses her lower body. She waits till the ball gets right above her head. Then she goes to get it. That timing is so important. You may remember Megan Gustafson. O'Grady well, leading his team in blocks. Had a really good game in their loss to Maryland earlier this year. Goldberry, that's the first three for the Hoosiers today. Indiana playing in its first final in 20 years they won it all 20 years ago third time in four years Iowa's been in the final they won it in 2019 and behind the back Berger to Patburg yeah. setting up for Berger over Martin indiana's on fire in the third quarter 28 points per game with 10 so far it's not scored here in the third sonano muscles it up and gets fouled yesterday against ohio state leading her team that's why gabby marshall gets a lot of playing time not going to score a lot of points but a really good perimeter defender warnock's been rather quiet that was loud. <laughs> Rebound by Martin, and here's Clark in the open floor. Hounded by Pat Berg. Splits the defense and scores. Oh, that was a tough two right there. Sinano has never taken a three in her career, by the way. Passed it up to Martin. Nice off glass. Kate Martin for Iowa, and Lisa Bluter describes her as the absolute glue for the Hawkeyes. Works the baseline, and Mackenzie Holmes swatted it, kept in play by Moore, McNeil-Packburn missed. And what a heady finish to go to the other side. Mackenzie Holmes was right behind her. She knew it, she felt it. But that's doing her work early. She didn't have to dribble the basketball. She was right there as Cardano Hillary knocks down a three. She's missed six of her seven shots and only has a couple of assists. One on one, nice move around Berger. Good. Terrific perimeter defender has not scored today. Only had one bucket yesterday. Sonano can't stop that. Wants to be a coach. She'd be terrific. But right now her team needs points. That'll help. All going to go home and wait for selection Sunday. Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes are Big Ten tournament champions.
0: Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. This is the DJV Download. I'm Doug.
17: I'm Jen. And I'm Victoria.
0: This podcast
18: made possible in part by Calatron, the safe way to lose weight, Prevagen, keeping your brain healthy, and My Pillow, guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. All right, so let's get to some of these uh, names that are important. The uh, WNBA star who's been in jail. Like, what is Where is she being kept? Does the picture show that, Jay?
19: Uh, well, she was taken into custody at an airport near Moscow last month, and she's 31 years old. Brittany Greiner with the Phoenix Mercury WNBA player had not been seen since she was detained for um, a drug dog alerted to uh, an oil pen, a vape pen with pot,
18: allegedly. So this is all Mercurion. the Russians have to do with what's going on? They have, well, they're grabbing people at the airport because they have an EpiPen? Huh.
17: No, 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 no. It's no, not no. an EpiPen. It's a vape pen. pen. It's pot. weed. Well, it's marijuana. Okay. Yes. So,
18: but they still it might go back to the same question. They have nothing better to do. Than yeah, do that. it's Russia.
17: Back, she, well, she can get up to ten years in prison for this. No, but yeah, I'm if just, she's convicted, I'm saying,
18: you'd think that these people had more to do than to chase people around at the airport. Like, well, here's no. Some,
17: well, here is something she, that another part of the conversation. 6, 10, so she stood yeah. out, and they identified and, her as a WNBA star.
19: And this uh, is a high-profile American prisoner that could be right. She could be used as a pawn or a bargaining chip for Putin. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like there's clearly other things going on in this situation.
17: Um, if Senator- she even had
19: the vape on her own, that's another thing. Yeah. We
17: don't even know if it was planted.
19: Allegedly, it's still a word that's being used over this whole thing. And U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham said that the State Department is trying to do everything in their power to get her back home to the states.
18: All right. So here's some uh, Gigi. It's Gigi, right, Hadid? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
19: yeah Gigi hadid she um she had said that she's going to be donating all of her paris fashion week earnings to ukrainian relief as well as continuing support to those experiencing the same in palestine and a lot of people are coming at her saying that she is um contributing to a false equivalent and that doesn't help it's a false endangerance narrative um saying it uh, actress Emmanuel Shariki said she's fanning the flames of anti-Semitism where other people are backing Gigi up and saying they're commending her for bringing Palestine, Palestine into the conversation even to begin with.
20: Well, you know, I yeah, there's this
17: whole notion. I mean, she's Palestinian. Her father's Palestinian. There's this whole notion that, like, if you support Palestine, you're an anti-Semite. I mean, that's just yeah. ridiculous. You know, Two things can be true at once. Who my gosh. Cares what
18: she says It would be my response to all of well, that? A lot of people do, Doug. I understand. I don't. We have 168 hours in every week, and how you use it is important. If you have a lot of free time, terrific. I don't know what that... And I you know, I say this because I'm not complaining. I love my life. It's a very busy time for me, as most of my life has been. I guess I grew up around people. My father was a producer. He always was producing. and I always wanted people to be busy because that's how he grew up, and I'm sure that's in part, what influenced me, but my—if uh, you look at my chart, it is all about uh, working, contributing, thinking about stuff. Uh, we have an infinite number of things we can do with our life. Hopefully, you feel like you've made the important choices, the right choices. I hope you have. Hope you feel that way, anyway. And this is a choice too: spending time with us here on the DJV uh, program. Uh, the uh, Russians and what they're. Uh, you know what they know. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, and it's kind of, uh, it piqued my interest, Victoria, when we were talking about the hackers and mm-hmm. what they have done to make more information available versus the propaganda programming that is around, and whether or not they are disrupting the Russian television broadcasts enough uh, that people will pay attention. You said something that I didn't know, or I guess I hadn't paid attention, that I thought it was much lower than seventy percent. I think you said that seventy percent of the people in Russia I don't know where this number comes from, but i you know, I've always believed you. I've seen multiple sources
17: reporting that yeah, that seventy yeah. percent of the people in Russia believe Putin's propaganda, that they are fighting, oh. that they are saving Ukraine Great. from Nazis. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's. And, and even and if I they did, they're, they're not going to. They're not going to tell pollsters that they don't believe Putin anyway, because there's yeah they don't right. know They're what afraid the of it. Is yeah. yeah, yeah. So of exactly. course, I mean, it's kind of like saying Putin was reelected with ninety percent of the vote. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. You know.
18: Yay. Right. Who's
17: going to vote against him?
18: So what are they doing with all the luxury assets, the oligarchs? is that. There's a uh, huge super yacht uh, that is anchored in Italy someplace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the captain <laughs> is a 459-foot yacht. That's a football field and a half. All right? So when you think about how big this thing is, you've probably all seen pictures of it anyway. Like it's like a an cruise ship. ocean liner. Yeah, it's yeah. like an ocean liner. Who's yeah. got $500 million to buy one of these things? And apparently they're all over the place. In North, the German North Sea ports are now filling up with some of these oligarch these uh, well they're uh, escaping
17: all of, uh, wherever they can down they to can. the caribbean they're right. trying to park in you know in some you know in the mediterranean they're just trying to find any sp- any place that isn't going to just seize their assets and that's so what this, france is trying to that's what france is doing already they're seizing these yachts at their <laughs> various ports
18: this marina is in the tuscan area tuscany Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the most expensive superyacht, the newest. It's called the Uh And so apparently um, this is uh, the first number I saw was $500 million. This one now I'm looking at it says cost $700 million, has two helicopter decks, has satellite domes Jeez. all over it. The <laughs> photos that were supplied by the police over there and a former crew member There's a swimming pool with a retractable cover. There's a dance floor. Uh, there's a fully equipped gym, gold-plated fixtures in the bathroom. It sounds like something Trump would fl- r- float around in. Uh, this is one of there are 14 yachts, that's it, in the world that are this big. That's it. And uh, apparently they can't identify who the owner is. Oh, duh. Oh, yeah.
17: <laughs> well, yeah, sure. that's, that's uh, another it, part. It could yeah. belong
18: to Putin. That's what they're saying. Some speculation is uh, that it's Putin's boat. So uh, could be. I, I mean, mean, that's,
17: isn't... you know, it's, it's tough when you've got like shell corporations and you've got all kinds of, you know, clandestine or, uh, setups for is for business and for investments. And it, there's a whole. Yeah, it's going to it's not easy to just identify like, oh, it's likely here you hand over your driver's license and oh, Mr. Putin owns this mega yacht. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be so hard there's another guy.
18: The next biggest one belongs. This is a six hundred million dollar yacht. Uh, that belongs to Roman um, Abramovich, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He's
17: Roman Abramovich. Who, yeah, he's the guy he? who owns uh, the soccer team. I think he owns Chelsea, the one of the big soccer teams in in the I UK. He owned the he's Mexican selling Mexican
18: he No, he's oh, okay.
17: maybe he does, but I know he owns Chelsea. That's the big one. So he's mm-hmm. going. I think he had to divest. But he's very anti-Putin, so he's one of the rare ones who's been public about it. Um, oh, he's the one to put
18: up the million dollars, I think. Oh, it, well, that would, yeah, that would
17: make sense. That would make sense. I still can't believe he only put up a million. Like, uh, who's going to try to kill Putin yeah. for a million In bucks? In Russia, be that'd more be a lot of money now.
18: Yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah, that's right. true. All right, so uh, we have a lot of this well, it's back and back. Yacht forth talk. And up that's our yacht report. Yacht, right. <laughs> All right. Yacht talk. as supposed to yacht. What is the, where, yacht the... Yacht rock. Yacht rock. Yacht yacht rock. rock. <laughs> that's it. Yacht rock. Yacht rock. So let's talk about something practical as we grouse about the cost of gasoline and oil and diesel fuel the AAA and their other travel outfits as well helping the people that belong to their group I have to uh, have belonged to AAA for quite a long time finally comes in handy from time to time although most of the time if I have a problem is in a truck and they won't tow a truck but uh, i have given membership to my children just because I think it's a good thing for them to have with if they have one of the you know, kids in the car with them anyway tips to consumers that include, A, check for peak travel times in well, your this is, area. Yeah, but th- you avoid... have to
17: say, this is tips to save on gas usage. You didn't What'd say I that say? part. <laughs> you just didn't said tips. That?
18: To save on gas. I didn't say you that? To
17: save on gas. No, I didn't Jay, hear Jay, did say I that.
18: not say that? Come on. You heard me say that, okay. right? I did I hear not hear say that part. part. We yeah, yeah, didn't, didn't hear, hear it either? But no. Jennifer He doesn't you trust me.
17: Okay. What do you know? No, I'm just kidding.
18: My ears don't work. Okay, anyway. Meanwhile, you notice Jennifer is quiet on this. She's not I'm saying here. anything. I know you're there, but I thought I, I said... said I, uh, gas no,
17: gas. I said I didn't hear it either, no.
18: Okay. All right. Three, I heard yes. just
17: tips. All right, tips. so tips to gas save tips. on gas usage from AAA, right. Don't, <laughs> which helps. A
18: yeah. How do you do this in Los Angeles is the question, or Boston, or any other place. Now that COVID is over, everybody's back in their cars again. And they're driving, and they sit in traffic. I did this all weekend in Los Angeles, and if I'm driving around here, even in my community, after 2 o'clock in the afternoon when schools get out, forget oh, those it. those
17: buses? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they I slow know we everything down. Yeah. yeah.
18: So that's one thing. If you can avoid sitting in traffic, good luck to you on that one. Some of these are not too practical. Slow down and drive the speed limit. Nobody's driving the speed limit. Come on. Yeah, uh, but it is kind of suggestion. interesting because I
17: didn't know that, that uh, that the aerodynamic drag over 50 miles per hour, like it's mm-hmm. a significant thing. So if you if you stay under 50, then your fuel economy goes way up. I did not know that.
18: The newer cars have those automatic idle off. Yeah, I have that. So and so when you stop, it and, and this is interesting because if you don't, if the car is off for less than 60 seconds, when you start it back up, it uses more gas than if you had let it idle. So the key here is a minute or so. If you're in traffic and you're just sitting for more than a minute, it does help a little to not let the car idle. It's you half a gallon of
17: gas per hour is what idling idle. does. Idle, That's idle, a use lot. Idling a lot of gas, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. I, I didn't know it was that much. So don't so idle. So this
18: is a lesson from the airlines. Get rid of the extra weight in your car. That's what they've done with planes. So now your turn to do it with your vehicle for more fuel efficiency Imagine what the cost is. Yeah, for, for me, fuel it's like I've got. To, I have a whole.
17: I've got to get rid of a whole box of clothing that's been sitting in the car on its way to Goodwill for three months. So nice I'm taking going, that Victoria, out of the yeah. car. <laughs> nice
18: yeah. going. It probably doesn't weigh more than ten or fifteen pounds, but uh, listen, wow. every little bit helps. Apparently, clothing can be Make,
17: expensive. If you or uh, not
19: expensive, heavy? it can heavy. be expensive too, but heavy. Yeah, depending on how much you shove in the box, I have well, tons that of that. Well, something else. That else that I it'll be away. like
18: everything else. It'll go. Well, the prices going up on all of this stuff. Yada 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 yada. So here's another one, Um, the tires. This is, of all the tips that are here, I think this is the most important. Low tire pressure does reduce fuel efficiency. I know that is a fact. And the tires wear out faster, all of that stuff. So look, there's on the side of the door on the car, there will be tire pressure recommendations for the front tires and for the rear tires. Usually, depending on the size of the car, it's around 36 pounds pounds. A psi for the front and around 42 for the rears. Some of the cars, like my car, when there's a low tire thing, there's a light that comes on. That we've the got like dash. a
17: little electronic, like a little screen that pops yeah. up and yeah. tells you what a each monitor. tire is. And so, right. but Posted I don't know cars, what it. Yeah. They're supposed to be. <laughs>
18: they're supposed to be 36. I just not, you're not listening to me.
17: Again. I heard you, but that's that's way off from the numbers that are on our car right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brando, mine's about so 31. What, yeah, that's, that's where it's that's, supposed to be. You have uh, a you've, it's it's you spent, drive an army tank.
18: I, yeah, it, de-
17: it depends on your car. I, think. I know, yeah, so kind of. I but I, have you ever? I got asked this question, Victoria. Have you ever put air in your tires? Oh yeah, I can do that. You have? Yeah. Oh well, you said you had never pumped gas the other day, so. I was oh like, no, you know, I know because I air. I concentrated on learning how to put air in the tires. So I, didn't have oh
19: to, I didn't have to worry about I learning how to the day pump of gas. gas pumping. <laughs> but you're also not
17: allowed <laughs> to pump your own gas in New True. Usually. So we pump yeah. our fists, not our gas. We're not allowed.
18: I don't buy gas on the highway or at the highway exit because it's always 20 cents more, especially in big cities. Uh, you've got the new gas buddy cards. Most of the gas companies have their reward cards right? Save five cents a gallon yeah. 20 it's yeah. a good
17: time to start using those reward cards yeah. for right. sure.
18: They all have them most of the stores have them. Buy gas on a Monday. it's cheapest on a Monday. And uh, let's see here. I didn't know this. This is something I didn't know. Air conditioners create less drag. Why? Because the way that they, the
17: way that new air conditioners. This is not for an old car. This is for new no. cars. So yeah. the the new air conditioners, I guess, just create less drag on the engine than if you're driving with the windows down, which obviously would make sense.
18: Oh, so, right, that's wind Windows down. And
17: too. the other thing is that's the the one of the other add-ons, which I'm surprised they didn't mention. But like, you should keep. You should keep the air circulating on the, you know, just on the internal cabin of the car. Like, don't let air blow in through from the outside, it's because a that creates a lot of drag. If you don't
18: know what it is on your, there's yes, an the arrow recycle that arrow button, car. right?
17: So right. that just keeps everything internal, and that way you're not creating more drag by letting air blow. Aren't through
18: you the glad engine. we're here to help?
0: Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.
18: Time for Jay Kirshner to step up to the microphone or sit up, pull herself up to the mic. I think she's been pulled up to the mic anyway. Jennifer and Victoria and I will sit and listen in awe, Jay, as you go through some of no these pressure. things and explain <laughs> I was say,
19: dang.
18: who it is i don't know who tony hawk is ladies are explaining this you can explain to everybody what his problem is
19: yeah, well yeah kind of a big problem he's a skating legend and he had an injury recently, so severe, he is worried that he will never be 100% again. He broke his femur over the weekend. Uh, not sure exactly what went down, but it definitely happened while he was skating. And it's kind of ironic because next month, HBO's Until the Wheels Fall Off documentary on him um, will drop. And it the whole documentary is following his whole the fact that he's in his 50s and he's still skating and he said that he's going to keep skating until he physically cannot skate anymore
18: is he competing he, at this age n-
19: no it's just he just loves. he skating. just shows
17: up at skate parks all the time
19: yeah he's he like kids, wow like, like, free lessons like, and advice.
17: And like it is tony hawk
18: <laughs> yeah all right well this will have a good thought for him then what a shame 50 some that's tough though breaking your femur like that very hard to fix to yeah, hopefully normally. he can he
19: can make enough of a comeback because he, that's just it's his passion and he brings joy to the world with his skating.
18: Now you were talking with we were all yakking about Phil Collins a moment ago off the air, uh, who doesn't play the drums anymore, and you said he had drop foot or something wrong, but there's got to be some other That is neuro, one of the things. He might have things,
17: a you. neck issue, maybe yeah. that's why he.
19: Yeah, he had drums. a really bad neck injury ten years ago that seems to have spurred a whole lot of other
17: issues. Really? I looked it up. He's 71. I wasn't sure how old he was, but yeah, he's 71. All
18: right. So Aaron Rodgers has been the focus of lots of speculation when it comes to his girlfriend, Miss Granola. Uh, But apparently now there's something else to talk about with regard to him. Right, Jay?
19: Yeah, kind of a shocking move after he was basically feuding with Green Bay's front office and threatening to leave. Um, He signed a four-year $200 million extension. With Green Bay, he's gonna be staying. He is now the highest paid NFL player of all time. He's going to receive one hundred and fifty three million dollars guaranteed as part of this new deal.
17: Dude's gonna be making fifty million per season. Like Jen yeah, said, yeah. that's a lot of natural
18: deodorant he could buy for that's his fiance. <laughs>
17: a lot of natural deodorant.
19: <laughs> <laughs> Tom's of Maine, what's up? Yep. Oof
18: and uh speaking of football, how about Russell Wilson getting traded to Denver Why did that happen yeah this, not, is a pretty, this is pretty this is pretty
19: big because he was drafted by uh the Seahawks and he's going to the Broncos and the Broncos are actually sending um quarterback drew Locke tight end Noah Fant defensive lineman Shelby Harris two first round draft picks Jeez. two second round draft picks a fifth round draft pick all going to Seattle in exchange for Wilson and a fourth round pick. So that's a deal. Deal. A lot of moves, not going a good on.
21: deal.
18: Move. No. Keep it moving. Keep it rolling, rolling, rolling. Meanwhile, uh, an actor in Ukraine, 33 year old Pasha Lee, uh, picked up arms, started shooting at the Russians. Apparently, they shot back because they get killed, uh, according to some of the local reports there. Anybody ever seen him, Pasha Lee? I'm looking at no. his picture. Really I, I don't really. tend to
17: watch a lot of Ukrainian movies, but, um, no. yeah. <laughs>
18: well, sometimes Apparently, the Ukrainian actors Ukraine. make it into American movies as bad guys. It wouldn't be mm-hmm. the first time that's happened, but his face kind of looks reminding. kind of it looks familiar, but at any anyway, rate, it just shows you what's going on. People from all stripes are fighting against the damn Russians. So it's great business time for Caledron. I would think the phones would be ringing off the hook and people would be ordering ad nauseum.
22: That's right. You know, it'll be 25 years this April, and we've been helping customers lose weight safely and effectively for 25
1: years. So, if you need to lose weight, you've really got to check it out on our website, toploss.com, because
3: like Doug said, it's so much more than just a weight loss product. I mean, we're not talking about a quick-fix fad product. There are no drugs. There are no stimulants. Our number one ingredient is collagen protein. Uh, It's got types 1 and 3. That's for the muscle and the
18: All right. And don't forget the 9090 special right now. Use the DJV code for free shipping as well. DJV code at TopLoss.com and the Get Fit contest. That sounds like it would be kind of fun. Calitrin at TopLoss.com. Thanks to Elizabeth Miller here, one of the great Calitrin consultants at TopLoss.com. All right. So, uh, who's getting divorced? This is not a new story, right? Kelly Clarkson well, getting divorced. The going divorce
19: on, is right? finalized now. Yeah, uh-huh. Kelly Clarkson and Brandon Blackstock. A judge had declared them both single back in September, but they still had to iron out everything else. So, the divorce has been settled. Kelly gets primary custody of the kids. Brandon, who lives in Montana, will get the kids one week and a month. Uh, that Montana, Montana, wasn't that the
18: ranch they owned? Yeah, it. that Montana ranch. Kelly will it.
19: keep... Brandon is allowed to live there until June 1st. He must pay her uh, $12,500 a month for rent.
21: Good.
19: And if he moves from Montana to a different state, the custody agreement will be reevaluated, as well as the child support he will be receiving, which is over $45,000 a month. He'll also get spousal support of $115,000 a month. He's getting
18: that yes but
19: that will end january 2020 he was a cop
18: right wasn't he do i remember that
19: no wish, no, no no he no, entertained he was a manager. the manager he was her manager. who he married yeah. the
18: cop it was another country miranda senior. lambert okay she's still with him
19: yep still married oh,
18: okay after all these years she
19: has never looked happier she looks really great. okay so
18: that's good correct that's yeah. terrific well, wonderful
19: and, then, and so that was Miranda Lambert. And then uh, back to Kelly Clarkson. So the judge um, had also dropped Blackstock from Kelly's name legally, and she never added Clarkson back. So legally, she's still going by Kelly Brienne, but she's continuing with the Kelly Clarkson name professionally.
18: Yeah, makes sense. All right, why and whom was the recipient? Why were they sent? Who is the recipient of flowers from an unusual source?
19: Oh, Taylor Swift sent flowers, a really nice bouquet, to Avril Levine to congratulate her on her seventh studio album called Love Sucks. And Avril was talking about it and how it was just really a stand-up, classy show of support. And it's nice to see women in music supporting other women in music. And Avril Levine hopes that right. there can be a Avril-Taylor Swift collaboration sometime soon. I'm here for that. That sounds amazing.
18: So this will ring a bell, not with either of you. But with other people who are fans of Tom Jones, do you even the two of you know who Tom Jones is? He's
19: that yes, dude with the absolutely. tight pants in Vegas, right? right?
18: Exactly. Okay. So <laughs> who
19: um, Carlton always danced to on Fresh Prince he, of Bel Air? He just ah, uh, released right.
18: a new album, his 40th album, devoted to his former wife who died last year. He'd been married to her for 59 years. He's 80. He's still touring, and apparently this um album is going to get some airplay on certain stations i thought it was kind of sweet he gives you know in memory of his wife he does an album i thought that was very sweet frankly
10: Hi, i'm robert strickler my wife joyce and i have been married for 53 years certainly one of the really important things in my life are our children and our grandchildren i am essentially a writer i've been involved in communications in the media I've been an avid fly fisherman for at least 40 or more years. I've been taking Prevagen on a regular basis for at least eight years. For me, the greatest benefit over the years has been that Prevagen seems to help me recall things and also think more clearly, have a crisper ability to remember and think through things. And I enthusiastically recommend Prevagen. It has
12: helped me an awful lot. Prevagen, healthier brain, better life. Robert Strickler is a content contributor for Prevagen and real user. Based on a clinical study of subgroups of individuals who are cognitively normal or mildly impaired, this product is not intended to diagnose, treat,
18: cure, or prevent any disease. This is the DJV Download. I'm Doug.
17: I'm Jen. And I'm Victoria.
18: This podcast made possible in part by Calatron, the safe way to lose weight, Prevagen, keeping your brain healthy, and My Pillow, guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own.
0: Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com.
13: Let's ride. COVID Clinic tests everyone. We're best at providing incredible testing that's run by a physician and administered by a healthcare professional. There was a huge need for groups. Employers started sending their people over. So I started saying, if they can't get appointments at the sites and we need more locations, why don't we just go to them? I can go in and I can assess what's happening. There's so many industries that have been impacted. and Let's get all that back. COVID Clinic's mission is testing for all. If you need testing, you can get testing. If you need answers, you can get
21: answers.
23: Hello, people of Earth, and welcome to the Gabbing Wall Gaming Podcast. Uh, I'm here with uh, Jester, or Jester1Gamble at Twitch, and uh, we're going to be playing some Mass Effect today, going over some um, important gaming issues, issues in the gaming community, uh, including Nintendo removing Switch emulations from the Steam Deck off of YouTube uh amazon luna is it worth it i tested it last night artisan builds screws over i don't know how to pronounce her name but i think it's kapaya uh the nvidia hack uh now i just met jester about a week ago how are you doing jester how long have you uh, been streaming um,
20: it has not been a constant um like weekly stream or monthly stream i kind of took a eight month break because I guess I got down or depressed really and I just lost all desire to stream
23: oh that's understandable I mean everybody gets down uh, occasionally I know I, I wasn't down but I quit gaming for like 10 years just because I decided it wasn't for me at the time
20: for 10 years oh wow
23: then I broke both my legs, and uh, I didn't have anything else to do, so I started playing Borderlands 2, and I've been gaming again ever since.
20: <laughs> wow, that's something.
23: Uh, give me a minute here. I need to try to...
20: I'm trying to, still trying to figure out how to get this volume down from the game.
23: <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I can't hear it.
20: <laughs> well, that doesn't make me feel any better.
23: What kind of you into streaming?
20: Um what got me into streaming was the fact that I've been living here in Germany for well at the time it was 4 years when I started streaming um I just I didn't have a job. I went from working in America like 40 hours a week, well over 40 hours a week. I was working probably 80 hours every like two weeks, no, not 80 hours, probably 120 hours every two weeks. And I went from doing that almost seven days a week to where I had no job. And for me, I moved here thinking I can, I can find work without a problem. It's not going to – I'm not going to have any issues. I went into moving into Germany thinking it would be just as easy as – um like, finding work in America. Well, I turned out to be completely wrong, and my wife lets me know that every single time, Um, but basically, I got into streaming to keep my sanity, because I was struggling to learn German, and nobody in the town I live in speaks English, so I didn't have anybody to speak to besides my family, and I love video games, and I've always wanted to just show or just basically just play games. And if anybody wanted to watch, they can watch. I found out about Twitch by another, like I was playing Fortnite when I found out about Twitch, somebody I played with and like my group, he uh, told me he streams. And that's basically how it started. I'm like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So it's been a long, like a a long, difficult road because I didn't have a good mic. I had an okay computer, but I didn't have two monitors and all this. So it was a lot of uh, learning while I go.
23: (laughs) I can definitely understand that. I'm still learning. Uh, I literally just started streaming because I wanted to do a podcast and I found I enjoy it. I get to meet new people. It's kind of fun. So um I'm enjoying it. Now, <laughs> what do you primarily stream? Uh, what did you say? What do you primarily stream? I know that you're a variety streamer, but do you have any games that you prefer?
20: Um I try to like for me since I try to stick to a 3-day week, like I try to stream for 3 days during the week. Um uh, my schedule always changes, but When I first started, I I just basically streamed whatever I felt like playing at the time. But now I try to stick to Seven Days to Die. Um, I'm currently, since I'm in the Lost Ark creator program, I'm streaming Lost Ark. And my third game is typically the New World or Borderlands 3.
23: Borderlands, there you go. That's my stuff right there. Well, my
20: friend hooked me up with um, Borderlands 2, like the um, God, I forget it was like the big collector's pack or whatever. He just gifted it to me when it was on sale on Steam, and I I really enjoyed it. I I fell in love with Claptrap. And when Borderlands 3 came out, I'm like, "I, I gotta play it. Like it looked really good. I watched him stream it. I watched other people on YouTube play it and I'm just like this is, looks good and it's the first actual Borderlands I've actually
23: completed. now which one do you like better 2 or 3
20: um well that's hard because I never really beat Borderlands 2 but as far as I got like halfway through Borderlands 2 um it, it's a toss up like for me I like flack uh, I love flack I love what you can do with them so I would have to say I like Borderlands 3 better.
23: Fair enough, fair enough. I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Borderlands 2. Now granted, I put like 100 hours into it when my legs were broken. So I've beat it probably 50 times now, run through every DLC. And Borderlands 3, I, am, I haven't even got off the first world.
20: Well, you haven't even got off of Pandora.
23: No, I'm still on Pandora. I, I, I pick it up, I play it for a little while, and then I'm just like, eh, I'll come back to it. And two months later, I come back, and I'm like, eh, I'll come back to it. <laughs>
20: so <laughs> well, that's how I was, because when I started playing Borderlands, I picked it up when it was on, I want to say, the Steam Summer Sale last year. And I played it for, oh, God, I don't know, probably a good 50, 60 hours just like messing around because I I don't really stick to like the quest. I just kind of run around killing things and just looking for stuff and basically like loot everything I can over and over again, trying to find the best weapons. And I just put it down and I came back to it after probably two months like you and just, I'm like, I got to finish it. So I pushed to finish the game and I finished it and I'm like, all right,
23: Yeah, I really need to, to actually just sit down and play it. I have, I run into the problem where I have so many games that I need to test to review that I never have time to play the games I want. Well,
20: I hear that, definitely understand that one. Considering like I have a three terabyte hard drive and it's slam full of games, my Steam library and my Epic Games library is starting to match each other.
23: You would be shocked if you heard how big my hard drive is.
20: For what you do, I would assume it's anywhere probably over 8 terabytes or more.
23: I have a 14 terabyte NAS, two computers that have 8 terabytes in them, another computer that has 6 terabytes, another computer that has 2 terabytes. That's a lot of computers. (laughs) And I only have 2 terabytes free.
20: Well, you have more terabytes free on your computer than I do. I think I've hit the limit on my SSD and my hard drive.
23: Yeah, that's the problem I ran into, too. That's why I decided to go ahead and build a NAS and just put them all on the NAS. Ah. That way I can play them all over the house, too.
20: Well, I've got two computers. I got one for me that's my personal computer. Then I built another one for my kids for Christmas, and it was their Christmas gift for me so they can play Minecraft in the living room. And it's turned into... Uh, Minecraft, Jurassic World, and whatever other games they want to play.
23: Oh, is it direct, the Jurassic World Evolution?
20: Uh, he, my son, has both of them.
23: Uh, you know, my wife went to visit her parents, and her uh, little sister, who's like eight, showed her Jurassic World Evolution. She's now addicted to that game.
20: I can't lie; like I played the first one, and I'm, uh, I enjoyed it. I watch my son play the second one just because I like watching him like do it. There's like for me there's games I like playing and there's games I can sit there and watch. And for me like Jurassic World Evolution and Evolution 2 I can watch him play it and without even worrying. Gotcha. I give him my my little two cents every once in a while. It's like, "Hey, well you should try building it like this."
23: I uh, wanted to get into some topics here, but out of curiosity, where is your accent from? It almost sounds like a Jersey accent.
20: <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I honestly have no idea where my accent's from, considering I am i was born and raised in Virginia. So, I don't know where the accent comes from.
23: Oh, well, I mean, that's kind of out east. It's an eastern accent, so.
20: Well, Virginia, that's like east and right, almost like right in the middle.
23: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right there by what? Uh, North Maryland
20: Carolina and Washington D.C. Yeah,
23: yeah. I know I drive through Virginia every time I go to Maryland, so that's that's everything I know about Virginia.
20: <laughs> well, that's like really amusing. I haven't heard anybody say I sound like I'm from Jersey in a long, like in seven years. <laughs>
23: <laughs> okay, so let's get into a topic here. Have, uh, have you had a chance to try Amazon Luna yet?
20: um actually i have not because it is is only available in america
23: that would make it incredibly hard uh would, and i'm sure go you with that, if you could play it with, with uh, the vpn it just would not go well because of the speed reduction
20: yeah that whole thing that's what i was going to say like the only way i would be able to try it is if i did the vpn thing the vpn um Like websites and stuff, but for me, I'm like I just wait until America like puts it through its paces, and then I can hopefully eventually play it. But I've read like the articles on it because it's something that I'm really interested in. Because if I can avoid having to fuck out hundreds of dollars on like downloads for my computer, it would be really useful to have you know a subscription where I can pay I don't know. Like ten for me, it would be probably ten euro, which would be right around the same in America, like ten USD. Now, but I think that would be nice because then I can just have a library of games where I can just access it at any time and play whatever I want.
23: Do you guys have Game Pass over there by chance?
20: Uh, yes, we do have the Microsoft game uh, Game Pass. But for me, I, I can't like bring myself to like pay for it like to do it like to actually just subscribe to it because i'm already a prime member and i'm like well the amazon luna um, it can kind of work hand in hand with one another
23: yeah that's understandable too i mean if you're already paying for something why pay for something else
20: Well exactly but like i keep looking like going back to the microsoft uh, game pass and i'm like They've acquired um, Blizzard. So for me, I'm like, if they add games from Blizzard to the Microsoft Game Pass, I might just consider it.
23: I will say that I think Game Pass Ultimate is worth it. Uh, Even if you don't own an Xbox, which sounds weird because that includes uh, Game Pass for Xbox and game pass for pc but the advantage of ultimate is you have the game streaming too so you can play like like i can load my web browser or a web browser on anything whether it's windows Linux, my cell phone yeah and i can i can play game pass games right there on my phone or right there on anything and they're essentially xbox console games well that's awesome I didn't know you can
20: use your phone.
23: Yeah, yeah, you can use your phone. Uh, I actually just picked up a controller for my phone for like 15 bucks. And, uh, (laughs) hey, buddy. Uh, But I picked up a controller for about 15 bucks. I really enjoy it. Um, I work doing delivery driving, and there's times where I'm just stuck in my car. So, you know, I just pull out my controller, pull out my cell phone, and start playing some games. (laughs)
20: <laughs> that's awesome like i ended up having a controller
23: i picked up like dirt
20: sheet from um uh, like we don't have craigslist here we have um they it's ebay but it's ebay local is what it is it's just like craigslist i ended up picking up a controller that can work on computer playstation xbox and cell phones but that thing ended up started it developed When I was uh, playing um, Elite Dangerous, I noticed it kind of just, like, I kept having to fight the controller, like, the joystick for movement all the time. So if I let go, my ship would just start spinning in a circle. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's time to get rid of the controller.
23: Do you happen to still have it laying around?
20: Uh no, it got destroyed. I think I gave it to my son and it's like ended up in pieces.
23: Uh too bad I could actually tell you how to fix that. There's a setting in Steam to make a dead zone so it it can stop that.
20: Ah it didn't matter. For me, like I replaced it with another cheap wired controller.
23: Well if it happens again, just let me know. I'll I'll teach you how to set the dead zone in there because that can make a huge difference. Yeah. I think
20: I'll end up um, picking up a flight joystick next time I play Elite
23: Dangerous. <laughs> so, uh, but I have had a chance to try Amazon Luna. Um, I played it last night. I played some Devil May Cry. Uh, I tried it on both my phone and my uh, my computer. Uh, surprisingly, the phone experience was better than the computer. Uh, the computer has a significant amount more input put lag than the phone really yeah now amazon does sell their own controller and their controller works with all game no. systems too but it's uh i'm Susie not gonna pay 49.99 for an amazon controller
20: yeah I, I read about that i'm like it's 49.99 if you bundled it with um amazon luno but if you just buy flat out buy the controller you're looking at close to like 80 bucks i'm like you gotta be joking like granted they're all saying it has Uh, built-in wi-fi and everything
23: but that only works with luna
20: exactly and i'm uh, for me i'm like i just getting like the built-in wi-fi just so you can play amazon luna like on a control like from the controller and everything it doesn't seem worth it i'm like i'll take the like i think it was like three point or point three seconds or milliseconds of uh
23: latency from
20: a regular controller versus the Amazon Luna controller I'm like I'll take the difference I don't care
23: yeah I think it's actually hold on I have it pulled up in my dock here it's like 13 to 27 milliseconds or something like that it's really not that much better and even having the Amazon controller what I can say playing it on my Windows PC it would still be too much import (laughs) lag
20: for me like i can't i couldn't see forking out that money because i can go buy an xbox controller or a playstation controller and just use that and deal with it it's like the basically, i look at it it's the same thing as using a mouse and a keyboard like one mouse might give you better like results than another but i can't justify spending an additional 30 bucks or more on a mouse that might give me better like maybe one or two more kills in a game i play same with the controller i'm just like just give me the regular controller and i'm fine i i will make it work i will survive
23: well my name is dirt cheap gaming so <laughs> i honestly go with the cheapest stuff i can find i mean i'm my monitors that I'm running, I have two monitors down here. They're TVs I bought off Craigslist for twenty bucks a piece.
20: I I can't like say anything because my top monitor before I replaced it was a Blau Punk uh, LCD um, TV. I ended up pulling out of a recycling dumpster out uh, the job I worked for, and it still worked. It did fine. But I finally got rid of it because the power button, like the actual button you push on the side, finally disappeared. And using a pin top to turn on the TV turned into a, a big problem after like three months. I'm like, I, I got to get a new TV or well, a new monitor.
23: Yeah, I could. I would probably get a new one at that point. Anytime yes. you got to, you know, grab a staple and start straightening it out to turn the TV on. yeah experience well
20: like for me because i have two monitors i have the one i game on and above me is the monitor that's just strictly for my obs when i like stream but other than that when as like you've guessed from my lovely background i'm in my bedroom so for me like My nighttime is when my kids are in bed, I turn something on my top monitor because I replaced it with a Samsung. Oh, Lord. it's. I would tell you exactly what it is if I could freaking remember it. It's like a Samsung monitor, but it actually comes with a controller that I can access Netflix, Prime Video, um, actual web browser, a whole lot more other crap as well. I picked that up on sale and I'm like,
23: I love it. I can't complain. It's great. But uh yeah. should yeah. probably get back on topic here. Yeah. We're good well, at getting distracted.
20: Exactly. <laughs> what um like one thing with the Amazon Luna I was noticing was like they give you the option for six not the option, but they give you six categories would it be categories or channels or Uh, they call them channels yeah for me that's that's a little weird i'm like why would it be a game channel but but anyways
23: well in looking at the the probably what i would consider the best priced one for what you get is their their luna plus now right now it's 5.99 yeah 5.99 that might be worth it but on april 1st it goes up to 9.99
20: it go that's the thing. Like I was reading the same article that you were talking about that you sent me, and it's five ninety nine. So if you get the Amazon the Luna Plus now at the five ninety nine and you end up as of April first, if you've already been paying the five ninety nine, yeah, the five ninety nine, you still pay the five ninety nine after April first if you have been signed up before April first.
23: See, and at five ninety nine, it it it's it's almost worth it. Once you get to nine ninety nine, I'm gonna pay for Game Pass.
20: Well, yeah, that uh, that I definitely understand. You know, uh, like if you're coming in after April first, you're going to pay the ten, basically ten bucks. But like I said, before April first, once you have signed up before April first, you're paying the five nine base. Well, might as well say six dollars. So. It's not bad, but the thing is, like, if you're going in just like as a regular person and not going like for the whole Luna Plus package, then you got to pay for the individual channels. And I think the most expensive one I was reading is what is it? Seventeen
23: ninety nine,
20: yeah, yeah. It's the seventeen ninety nine for Ubisoft, and I like for me, I'm like at that point, I I could I would not do it.
23: Well, and you don't even need Amazon Luna for that. You can go to UB.com and sign up for Ubisoft. Um, exactly. Ubisoft Plus for seventeen ninety nine. Or if you want to download the games, you can just sign up for the Ubisoft subscription for 15 bucks. But for me to have all the games by the same studio, I'm going to get bored. I mean... Exactly. The thing about Xbox is they own so many game studios. You know, you get your Bethesda titles. I'm trying to think of a couple other ones, but you know, you have multiple games coming out and first day releases coming out. <coughs> but Amazon Luna, you're not going to get first day releases. Ubisoft Plus, you're only going to get Ubisoft games, and I like some Ubisoft games, but they all tend to be very similar. There's not a lot of exactly. variety.
20: Um, for me, like I don't like when it comes to Ubisoft. I have Assassin's Creed and Far Cry five. That's honestly about it. And I never really go much else.
23: I mean I have a bun I have every Assassin's Creed, I have every Far Cry game. Uh now with that being said, I have not played most of these games. Um I have every Watchdogs, you know, game released. <sighs>
20: Like for me like the one that caught my eye like the one channel was the retro channel. Um cuz it didn't really give you much information again granted the article gave you a whole lot of like a list of games. And I'm like what does the retro channel involve? Like what games are we talking about here? Can I like say I want to relive my childhood and play freaking Mario or Super Mario Brothers? From back in the day with the the old school Nintendo or freaking the Super NES games, like can I play Mega Man? Like, are we talking retro like that? Or uh,
23: I can almost Fox? guarantee anything by Nintendo is not on there.
20: That's most definite, probably not. But it's like when I say like think retro, I think old school like i grew up with a nintendo i'm sure everybody about our age all grew up with a nintendo probably even an atari at one point in time
23: i found a list i found (laughs) a list of the games and uh it has pong on there that's how how retro it gets okay
20: so they're throwing way back into atari
23: pong asteroids uh oh god i mean they have king of fighters 1998 King of Fighters 2002. So all the games look like they're probably 2002 or before.
20: Okay, so they're not going back to like, what we know as a childhood.
23: I think they're going probably before our childhood and after our childhood. Uh, oh,
20: that's the thing. Like, for me, like I said, I had an Atari and a freaking Nintendo. Like, so for me, when I think retro, I think Old school freaking turn Atari freaking controller with a little joystick. And I'm, I'm like, okay, we can make it work.
23: <laughs> I will say there are three things on four things on here that look good to me. One is the Contra Anniversary Collection. I loved Contra when I was a kid.
20: Yeah, I'm right there with you. But you can pick that up on Steam for literally like dirt cheap.
23: Wait till it's on sale, pick it up for like uh, a yeah,
20: dollar. Exactly.
23: Uh, Castlevania Anniversary Collection. Same thing. You can pick it up on Steam, dirt cheap. Exactly. Uh, 1942 and Ghosts and Ghouls. Those are the games on here that stand out to me. As hey, I played those when I was a kid. But I own all of them on Steam.
20: Exactly. So you can pick them up dirt cheap on Steam. But now, for like the younger generation that grew up in the 2000s. Or, hell, even the late 1990s, like, it might be good for them. But, honestly, I couldn't see, like, you got to pay for each channel, right? Unless you get the Luna Plus.
23: Well, you pay, even if you get the Luna Plus, you still pay for each channel. The Luna Plus is its own channel.
20: See, that's the thing, then. Like, they're just trying to get, like, squeeze you for more money. So, in a way, I like what they're trying to bring, but the whole it reminds me of like Amazon Prime Video. If you want to watch a bunch of horror movies, they have their own horror channel, but you have to pay extra for that. And I love horror movies, but I cannot see spin I forget what the horror channel costs for
23: a Prime Video. I think it's like $2. $2. I, $2. 99 or something.
20: Like, I think it's just, in my opinion, it's another way for them to squeeze more money out of you.
23: Yeah, it's, uh, there's a a lot with, uh, Amazon, a (coughs) lot of different channels you can get with Amazon prime and they're using the same pricing model for Luna. Um, but I think we can agree that our consensus is probably not worth it. At least not at this time.
20: At the moment, unless they do something to make it really worthwhile, It's honestly, I think it's a waste. I like what they're trying to achieve, but you've got, let's see, you've got Microsoft Game Pass. You can essentially do the same thing with Ubisoft. You can do the same thing. I think NVIDIA has something similar as well. You can
23: do PS Now for $60 a year.
20: Exactly. So in a way, it's like, I see what they're trying to do because it's basically cloud gaming, like at the touch of a finger, but it's, they got to do something to make it worthwhile to their future customers because you're already paying $10 for one thing, then, oh, I want this channel, that's another $6, or say you wanted Ubisoft, that's $18, so now you're up to $28. And if you wanted all the channels, God knows how much you are paying in the end. Plus, uh, oh, can't forget if you buy the controller, so you're already about $100 deep.
23: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I look at it like, um, you know, it could be worth it if they, I, I, from what I read somewhere, the Luna Prime is supposed to get up to about 300 games. That might be worth it depending on the games. But exactly, at the state it's in right now, it's the next Google stadia. It's just destined to fail
20: Well, you know Amazon. they'll throw a bunch of money at it, and hopefully'll it'll, it'll end up working. I mean, what's up, Dragon? Thank you for uh stopping in
23: they They'll probably probably get it eventually just because Amazon is not the type to give up.
20: Well, exactly. They've pushed through and managed to release one decent game. But as of right now, I think a lot of people just need to like wait and see what comes of it. I know there's going to be people that it's brand new. I have to have it, so we'll use them as testers.
23: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I might look at look at it in like a year and see how it's doing. But for right now, I'm just gonna gonna pass. I, well, I, I've got to pass, like you know, because it's something in America. <laughs> <laughs> it will be in Germany eventually
20: well hopefully one day like in another two years
23: so uh uh, how much do you know about this nintendo removing switch emulation videos on steam deck
20: um i was reading the article and it just sounds it sounds like nintendo is just doing whatever they can really to take the focus away from that the nintendo not the nintendo switch but the The Steam Deck is basically, in all honesty, a way better version than a Nintendo Switch. Like, for me, like, I love Nintendo, so I would consider getting, like, a Nintendo Switch because there's games that are only, only on Nintendo that, for example, uh, Zelda. I love Zelda games. I love Smash Brothers. I love Mario. I can't play them on my computer. I can't play them on a PlayStation, on an Xbox. I have to get a Switch. So for them to try to take focus away by removing any picture, video, or throwing up copyright claims for anything on YouTube that's got a Steam Deck and a Nintendo Switch side-by-side, I understand what they're doing. Because they're trying to keep the focus and the profit in their company's pocket. Because, let's, for me, let's be honest, after the Wii, Nintendo has just kind of gone downhill, to be honest. For, for me, the last good Nintendo console was the Nintendo 64. I wasn't a fan of the GameCube. So, anybody, please forgive me. I'm sorry, I wasn't a fan of GameCube. So Nintendo, I think, is doing everything they can to hold on to any kind of profit margin they can with this whole copyright claims.
23: I mean, here's the thing. I I like Nintendo games. I like their products. I think the Switch is a cool product. I won't buy one because uh, Nintendo is notoriously anti-consumer. And those, Exactly. Those anti-consumer practices are what I don't like about Nintendo. They're one of the most innovative companies and come out with things that other game companies don't even imagine, yet they're stuck 20 years in the past.
20: I have to agree.
23: And, I mean, that's that's the biggest problem with Nintendo. The other thing I question about that, they're using uh, copyright to pull these videos down. Now, here's the thing with that. They don't have a copyright on the emulation software they don't have a copyright on any game not produced by Nintendo. So if they're demonstrating a game like Zelda or Mario that was created by Nintendo, Nintendo does have the copyright. They have every right to use a copyright claim, but if they're using playing a game and streaming a game on their switch by Capcom, if Nintendo is using a copyright right system to get that taken down, they're not using it legally.
20: Well, yeah, I have to agree with that, but like for like an example, if somebody have, like playing a Capcom game like Resident Evil, I don't even know if Resident Evil's on the Switch. Like the newer ones like The Village and the remakes. Since that's Capcom and I know you can play those games on the Steam Deck, like if they're comparing like the graphics and everything side by side and you're posting the video on YouTube As a YouTuber, you can fight that copyright claim, but it's going to be a strike against you until, I guess, YouTube or whatever platform you're using sides in your favor, but you're going up against Nintendo. It's a a very big uphill battle, so... Like, the whole thing is, I don't think anybody's fighting back against Nintendo for doing this. I think they're just letting it happen because it's Nintendo. They're realizing you can't fight a big company like this unless you are willing to lose.
23: Well, and you absolutely can fight them if you know how to do it. What a lot of people don't realize about the copyright system. Okay, somebody gives you a copyright claim on... uh... (coughs) a DMCA takedown notice on YouTube. Now YouTube has to take that down because they're legally required to comply with the DMCA. So what you can do is challenge it. Now when you challenge it, the, the concept is that whatever company you're challenging, will take a look at it and decide if you're actually violating copyright and then get back. And if you're not violating copyright, they'll be like, okay, put your video back up. Or um, what I imagine in most ha- case happens with big companies, they're like, huh, we got challenged, no, click. And they challenge it back, essentially. At which point in time, you can challenge it again. They either have to put your video back up or take you to court. Now, I would be perfectly willing to let Nintendo take me to court over a copyright they don't own and then countersue them.
20: Yeah, I can see that, but a lot of people, it's like, once you hit that whole, okay, they're taking me to court kind of thing, a lot of people are going to back off.
23: Right, court's scary, it's stressful.
20: Yeah, it's going to cost you money, it's stressful, and God knows if by some chance that you lose, God knows what Nintendo, their lawyers will decide to do against you.
23: But... I, I, would, I would do it. And that's not like I have a lot of money or anything. Um, I am about proving points. And that is a point that I truly believe needs to be proven in Nintendo is they don't control everything. Like I said, if it's their game, they published it. They have every right to have it taken down by copyright. It's stupid because it's actually giving <coughs> them more exposure. Which is why most game companies don't do that. There are a couple of stupid ones, but yeah, it just doesn't make sense.
20: Well, I have to agree. Like for me, it's pardon my language, um, like it's it's a, honestly a dick move on Nintendo's part. Absolutely, because yes, granted, the Steam Deck is. I would say it's an awesome. It's a great idea. It's, and this is in my opinion, it is basically a, what was it a PSP on steroids? Is like the best way to describe it. Because PlayStation brought out a handheld what years ago? It was the, I think it was a PSP, and the Steam Deck is just. It's basically the same thing just on steroids. It's a small literally a handheld computer that allows you to play your Steam library on a something. Granted, it's got some freaking awesome hardware under it. So I can see why a lot of people would go with um, the Steam Deck than the Nintendo Switch but granted, Nintendo all they got to do is just Come out with something that can compete against it. It's not that hard. The technology is out there.
23: Yeah, but Nintendo only likes to release a product every 15 years.
20: Oh, God, yes.
23: (laughs) Actually, I think it's closer to 10, but I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit. But, you know, they release products that people like and, you know, can sustain them for a long time without a whole lot of adaptability and even though their systems are weaker than an Xbox or a PlayStation, they don't have the same processing power. They managed to do things that are innovative enough that people still buy them. Now with uh, the switch and the steam deck, you now have a a, something that looks almost exactly like the switch that has the same versatility as a switch. Nintendo's exactly. in trouble until they innovate again. And a Switch Pro is not going to do it.
20: No. Like for me, like I like the concept of the Switch because you can play it at home, you can play it on the go. I like what they did with it. But like <laughs> they're look for me Nintendo I think is looking at more of market where they're looking at people mainly going to be in their home because a lot of people won't really go take their switch out of the house unless by some chance you're a kid that has to ride the bus for a while you might take it with you but even then in america there's a chance you're going to get jacked for it and then you got to deal with your parents here like for me here in germany we don't have school buses here so you're riding public buses and like my kids, they gotta ride, I think, fifteen twenty minutes, give or take, for their bus to get to the school. But they're also waiting on their bus for a good bit too. So I can see the switch being useful here. But again, that's you're limiting your what games you can play because it's only Nintendo games. Now with what the Steam Deck offers. They're offering you any game that you can buy on Steam and you can play it. But I think it ultimately needs to come down to its price. And I think, last I checked, I think the Nintendo Switch was better on price than the Steam Deck. Also availability right now, too.
23: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely better in price. There's no doubt about that. Um... But the Steam Deck does so much more.
20: Yeah, I understand that. For me, like, like what would push me to go with the Steam Deck, to be honest, is if I can, (coughs) if I can play all the games that, uh, let's use Epic Games as Epic Game Store as an example here, because they have. Currently, like Tiny Tina's Wonderland is only Epic Game Store available. You can't even buy that game this month on Steam. It just says, Well, like you can go to Steam and you can put it on your wish list, but there's no date when it will be available to purchase. So, like for me, it's like can I play my Epic Game Store games on the Steam Deck? Can I play other games that uh I know Assassin's Creed. You need Ubisoft. Um, anything that takes Origin, like Mass Effect here. Like, how does all this work with the Steam Deck?
23: Uh, the thing about the Steam Deck is it's an open system. You can install Windows on it and run anything. Ah. I mean, a Steam Deck is literally just a small computer.
20: So basically, it's a cell phone with built-in controllers, minus the everything else the phone can do
23: yeah i mean i would consider it more a computer than a cell phone i mean it has the usb ports um it has a display out you can plug it into a regular tv you could plug in a keyboard and mouse and you have a full-fledged computer in front of you huh but what like what's the price comparison
20: Last i think i heard it was what three hundred dollars or something oh, oh
23: more than that uh i mean there's three there different models PlayStation. And I wouldn't get the lowest priced one. Uh, it's three ninety nine for the sixty four gig, but it has slower, uh, slower storage space. Five well, I, like
20: for me, like the whole thing. When it comes to like the Steam Deck, like you might as well just get the highest gig, freaking memory, and everything you can
23: get. And that's what people have been doing. The highest, the highest tier one has outsold the other ones by far.
20: Yeah, I can understand. It's like when PlayStation 3 came out, the original PlayStation 3, we're talking about the Fat Daddy here, it had, what, a 64 gig? I think I think it was a 64 gig hard drive or something like that. And within a year, the thing's full, depending on how many games you played.
23: So, but yeah, the, the back to what we were talking about, I, I think Nintendo's behavior is reprehensible is the best word I can use.
20: I think it's childish to be honest.
23: You're,
20: you're a company that's been around for so many years. like, And you are... Anybody that's as old as we are can... If somebody asks oh, do you know Nintendo? Yes, we know Nintendo. We grew up with them. We've seen what they can do, what they can bring out as a company. And to act as childish as they're doing with these whole remote copyright claims and everything for videos and photos. It's it's childish.
23: Suing people for ROMs that they don't even sell anymore? Like, there's no way to play the game unless you have the ROM because Nintendo's just decided, hey, we don't want this to exist anymore. So people uh, get the ROMs and then Nintendo goes after them for it. Exactly. So, uh, that's why I will not do business with Nintendo. I <coughs> I don't want anything to do with them. But I do think that the Switch was a cool idea when it came out.
20: For me, like the only reason I would go like get anything from Nintendo, like it would be a Switch. But that would literally be to only play Mario or Zelda. Because I love Zelda and that's about it. But I can't see paying the price that they want for a Nintendo Switch. and I can that covers roughly half the price for a Playstation Five or Xbox.
23: My wife wants to get one just to play Pokemon. Oh, God.
20: <laughs>
23: <laughs> I'm like, seriously, you want to spend like $350 to play Pokemon? Yep. Okay. I would
20: like. I can't say anything. I would spend the $350. I, well, I can't say I would spend it, buy it brand new. I would buy it used, and I mean used. I would scour my local freaking market online and find one that's roughly like a hundred euro or something i don't care it doesn't have to be oled as long as i can play the new zelda on it that's all i would care
23: so yeah uh what do you think about this artisan builds thing (laughs) did you hear about that before i told you about it
20: um i think right before you like told me about it i saw because i followed jay's two cent on twitch as well i mean on twitter and um he posted some um like a snippet, like the clip from the video that the lady the girl posted and i read his comments and i'm like what is going on like it was very confusing because not knowing what like is happening i'm watching this video and i'm like what did i just like witness and I had to watch it about five times to realize that they're giving away a PC, and what they're talking about, how this girl doesn't have one click on the link or that's on her panels, and she's an granted she's an ambassador, but because she's have no clicks that they're rerolling for the giveaway. I'm like, that is, that is like really wrong. Like I was outraged because.
23: Absolutely.
20: Like I I'm involved with when it comes to giveaways every year I'm in Gigabyte, Asus, MSI, EVGA, any of the like all the computer companies around here in Germany do giveaways every year for basically two months. And wow. one year I was involved in a giveaway with Gigabyte and they said the person's name who won, and I'm like, yo, that, that's me. But they didn't give a last name, and I fought them tooth and nail. I'm like, you called my name. They're like, but there's there was another person with the same name. I'm like, but you didn't specify a last name. And I just gave up. I'm like, I will never do business with y'all because of how y'all are handling this. I'm like, if I didn't win, fine. I don't care. I'm like you need to specify the person's last name, but back to the topic. This is a Twitch stream that is basically known for building PCs live on stream and doing giveaways. That's what they're doing. They've got Intel plastered all over their like freaking panel, like overlay. They get parts from companies and they're going to sit here and how they basically talked when they're like oh she doesn't have any uh any clicks on the panel i'm like this is wrong i'm like you literally she won out of all the people that are involved she won it doesn't matter how many people like how many clicks she's gotten on the link or what whatnot and i'm like as a company and that was what the
23: ceo that was that was the ceo and then he went off on her
20: I thought, yeah, I'm like, you are the CEO of this, and you're acting like this. Who is the dude building the PC, not, like, stepping up and, like, saying it doesn't matter how much, like, click she's got on, the like, the link. She should, like, she won. It doesn't matter. He just went along with it. He's like, re-roll. like, what in the hell? It It literally made me so mad, and I've seen Intel actually... Like Intel has actually posted an article about it and how they are completely outraged with Artisan Builds for how they acted and handled this. And they've publicly apologized to her. I know Artisan Builds has emailed her and basically told her, "You, we are giving you the PC. And I'm like, okay, after all the shit and... Everything that you dug your grave, now you're gonna come through and oh, we're gonna give you the PC. Like she emailed him back, said, "No, I don't want the PC anymore. Take me off your ambassador list. I will not watch all. I am unfollowing y'all."
23: Okay, so people who who don't know about this, just to give you uh, <coughs> the main story, a company called Artisan Builds, who is a custom made computer builder, does. Twitch stream giveaways, and the requirements that they listed is you have to be an ambassador uh this girl who I cannot pronounce her name still, let me see I'm gonna find it here. I follow her on Twitch now, uh actually more of the story, so do twenty seven thousand other people. Holy she went oh from like God, a thousand to like twenty seven thousand when this happened, so there is a lot of positive that came out. Uh, her name's Kaipia, I don't know if that's pronouncing it right, but she was selected to win a PC. Uh, then they decided to change the rules midstream and say, oh, wait, 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 no, you haven't received any link clicks, so you're not bringing us business even though you have your our banner posted on the stream, so we're not going to give you the PC, we're going to have to give it to someone else because we're changing the rules. Uh, that's
20: like the thing she can't control like anybody clicking on this stuff she can't make them do it
23: right uh jay's two cents stepped in after she had posted on twitter and said hey don't worry about this i got you i'll build you a pc and she already has the pc i mean it was quick this just happened like a week ago she already has the pc it was incredibly quick how how much he stepped in and uh that made me that increased my respect for Jay's Two Cents just for doing that.
20: Like, for me, like, I've followed Jay's Two Cents on YouTube, I follow him on Twitter, and, like, I know what he has lying around his shop. And I'm pretty damn sure he built her a better PC than what she would have got from Artisan Builds.
23: Well, actually, the Artisan Builds PCs, it turns out they've been underclocking their GPUs because they have cooling problems and doing some <laughs> other shady stuff too. So, if you decide to buy a computer, here's the moral of the story. Don't go to Artisan Builds. They're scummy and they will give you a crappy system. At yeah. least that's what I've heard. I cannot confirm.
20: Like for me, like when it comes to like systems like buying them from Well, Audison builds, it would be, you can say, I would rank them up there as like a pre built system. But like, my thing is, like, what are their prices? Like, even if without knowing like the underclocking and everything, like, granted, I wouldn't buy from them after what they've done here. Like, for me, it's like, I don't know. Like, I'm at a loss for words here when it comes to how they. Like, what happened with this poor girl, and how a company that is known for doing giveaways and doing this? It's like, makes me wonder is this the first time they've done it? Like, how they treated her? It's how, like, my whole thing is okay, you need to be an ambassador. Well, do you need to be an ambassador for a set amount of time? Do you have to, like, I understand their rules, but it like nowhere in their rules did it say you have to have clicks from the link. You need to like all the crap that they did. It's just ridiculous, and I don't think she's the only one they re-rolled on either.
23: She might have just been the only person who up, who stepped up.
20: Because you know. I know they they did like went into the what was it analytics or something. And the video, and they're going over it, and it's just like honestly, I'm right there with you. I would not buy anything from Audison Builds. There's more than enough companies out there that can do a pre-built system and give you better quality and a better reassurance and peace of mind for the money that you're fucking out. Because guaranteed, you're fucking out a couple thousand dollars already. <coughs> Like I know NZXT give you a decent build and you get a, a de- pretty decent like warranty and customer service with them. It's like if their customer service for Audison builds is anything like what happened in this video, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose a lot of business.
23: Oh, they've already lost a lot of streamers that aren't following them anymore uh just in case any whoever's watching on on my screen i i know that uh jester can't see it i did just put on my uh screen follow on twitch kapia go follow her yeah. she deserves it she 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 pointed out the atrocities that <clears throat> the company was committing give her a follow join the other 26000 other people who have followed her in the last this week, week. And uh, I did watch some of her streams actually this morning. She's pretty good. She's pretty entertaining.
20: Well, that's that's awesome. I'm glad she, the like the Twitch community, and well the whole PC community is like rallied behind her, and dropped as many followers and everything for. her. But like the when I mean like, what like for the artisan builds, it's not just the Twitch community that they're losing. They have companies that give them parts to do these builds that are given the company, like.
23: I know Intel is thinking but, about backing out.
20: Like not notoriety. I'm at a loss. Honestly, a loss for words here.
23: But I mean, um, they've just given them like, themselves a bad reputation.
20: Exactly, and the companies are going to pull out and be like, no, nah, they're going to distance themselves from this dumpster fire that's now happening
23: They're larger streamers most a lot of their streamers have pulled out um from what i was reading i know intel was was investigating and and questioning whether they were going to pull out last i read uh, and i'm sure there's other companies too that are looking at this going no we don't want to be associated with that
20: yeah like in these times there's a good chance that that company just burnt every bridge that they've got and it's going to take a Freaking miracle for them to save any relationship with any of the companies that give them parts.
23: Well, you're gonna have to use, excuse my language here. They are dumbass scummy motherfuckers. Yeah, that's it. That's it right there. They're dumbass scummy motherfuckers.
20: I have to agree on that one. <laughs> like, I didn't even know it. Like, there was a Twitch channel out there that did like live builds and. What not? There's
23: more than one, actually. And, uh, you know, most of them are pretty legit, but they've shown their true colors. Even after the fact, they've never really apologized. <laughs> you know, they just kept reiterating, oh, we changed the rules because we need business. But we're going to try to treat all our streamers going forward just fine.
20: We changed the rules because we need business. I'm sorry you need business. You're currently in a market in today's world where semiconductors chip shortages and everything you're not the only company out there suffering from this so don't my whole thing is don't say well we need the business i don't care if you need the business when people can't afford to buy like a thousand dollar computer or whatnot don't go sitting here being a dick about it and screw people over that actually won a giveaway like follow through okay they didn't have clicks on their link, follow through with, okay, this person won. We're going to get their piece, like, information and everything and send you out your PC. That right there would show more respect from the smaller streamers and community. They'd be like, okay, these guys are awesome. They're backing a small streamer that doesn't get a lot of traffic through their channel. That's going to, like, help that channel out even more. But no, they wanted to be a dick. And literally just do what they did.
23: I mean, here's the thing: if they would have given her the PC, she probably would have been like, "Hey, this is my PC I got from Artisan. Hey, they gave me this PC. Hey, these are great guys."
20: Yeah, right. It's and, like I know, like, she would honestly like give them so much props for it. I won this awesome, amazing PC from Artisan Builds, and that would funnel more freaking. Revenue, well, not revenue, but people through that, their websites and everything, but now they're getting a lot of hate for what they could have just honestly saved themselves a lot of trouble.
23: Yeah, I mean, they just missed the point completely. Uh, I mean, that's, I can leave it at that, that artisan builds are scummy motherfuckers. Follow Kapia. <laughs>
20: Yeah, it, that's basically what it is. Just drop her follow, like for a lot of people. Like for me, once my month is up for well, my Prime membership with my uh, one of my friends, I'm gonna go over to her channel and drop my one month free Prime sub to her. So.
23: Okay, so what do you know about the Nvidia hack? How much information do you have
20: on it? <laughs> um, that is actually something that's. I've been reading up on and with everything that's going on, and for me, um, I like it's something I've laughed about. I'm like, oh, Nvidia, a big company, gets hacked by this group.
23: Lapsus, uh, I think is their name. I,
20: I think that's what it is. Yeah, lapsus. But I'm like, they're blackmailing Nvidia, basically saying, Re- release the drivers for the the crypto hash rates publicly or we're gonna leak your basically your blueprint for your graphics cards like your RTX cards your, the materials you use everything you do and it's just like really how is this going to go and I'm like I don't think the video is really gonna bat an eye about it or whatnot, and hey. that's like like, for me, to this day, I still don't know if NVIDIA actually, like, followed through or what NVIDIA has done.
23: I mean, there's so much uh, mixed information, because NVIDIA doesn't really talk. I mean, mm-hmm. it took them three or four days, actually, I think longer than that, just to say, hey, an incident happened, and we're investigating. Um, but there's so many mixed results. So the first thing that I, I, I read about it was NVIDIA got hacked. And hacked the hackers back. I don't yeah, know if they, it actually happened, but the hackers did claim, the Lapsus claimed that NVIDIA actually hacked them back uh, and encrypted the data so they couldn't read it. Unfortunately, they uh, they did have backups of that.
20: <laughs> like, that's, like, no. From what I was reading, uh, yeah, the Lapsus has the backups, like, uh, everything that they got backed up. So, NVIDIA might have ruined what was on, like, a computer, but they've got backups of everything that is still clean.
23: You know, so the next weird thing is most time you have ransomware attacks. It's for money. They're saying we want the hash rate limiter removed and we want open source drivers.
20: Yeah. Like, well, in a way, I guess it would be money because they can sit there and mine crypto on whatever they have. And, make literally butt tons of money hand over fist without having a limiter on their freaking graphics card
23: now here's something that i didn't know until today though and this is actually important for people to know uh with that they also got a bunch of nvidia certificates which means they can make drivers with malware in them and put a valid certificate on there so it goes right past windows defender Windows so Defender no won't kidding. check it because it's a valid certificate, but uh, yeah, uh, there can easily be drivers going out with malware in there them, and that's something <coughs> to be aware <coughs> of.
20: My whole thing with the like the possible driver, like the malware loaded up driver, because I get my updates for my graphics card through the Niv uh, the Nvidia God the GeForce Experience. There we go. Now, like, would that, like, the possible malware loaded up driver make it to that?
23: In theory, no. Uh, Because, I mean, if you're getting it off the, the website itself, the actual NVIDIA website, it probably won't be an issue. But it could be an issue for people who sometimes get their drivers from other places.
20: Well, like for me like from what i understand about hackers they they no matter what they do like they might get in and when they get out i don't think they always close out completely i think they always leave like a back door they can get back in that might be hard to find so if they can get back into nvidia's thing and load up like the GeForce experience with bad drivers with loaded up malware they can essentially screw over a lot of people
23: well, they did leave a back door, and that's how NVIDIA hacked them. Because they uh. still had, had one of their computers logged into NVIDIA's stuff, and NVIDIA hacked them. At least, like I said, it's all rumor. Um, I just thought it was interesting. You know, a whole lot of drama. Um, supposedly, LabSus has also released the, the emails and passwords for 72,000 of NVIDIA's employees.
20: Oh my god, that that's a nightmare.
23: And they have more to release because they have been releasing stuff. They've released the uh, the DLSS diagram and code. Yeah, which that's big for Nvidia because that that makes it where other companies can can take it and replicate it.
20: Well, once that's released, that's kind of bad for Nvidia. They're going to have to stop pulling out some more tricks out of some hats.
23: Um, they know. Oh, go ahead. What was that? Uh, I was going to say they've also made a driver that increases the hash rate limiter. So instead of being released, uh, being limited to 20% hash rate, you're limited to 40%.
20: Okay. (laughs) That's, That's like crazy. I know after the hack and everything, I know NVIDIA's stock like crashed. A lot of the people that have. Holding lots of shares like that actually can move like Nvidia, like they're bored with them dumping their shares, that put a hurt in Nvidia, not in just like a threat, but actually in their pocket.
23: Yeah, so I mean it's I don't think it's gonna hurt uh NVIDIA long term or anything, but it's definitely doing some damage right now. Um <laughs> I I thought the whole thing was interesting because there are so many conflicting things that I've read and it's mostly because NVIDIA doesn't talk. You know, NVIDIA doesn't say what was stolen. NVIDIA doesn't really want to give any information out. It may just be they want to wait till they're sure. But, uh, the rumors, at least, are crazy.
20: Like, for me, I think it's weird because Like you said. NVIDIA doesn't talk. So NVIDIA is just staying quiet. Uh, Give me a minute. Yeah. NVIDIA is being quiet about this. (coughs) Yeah. Serious emotional scars. But. With NVIDIA being quiet. It makes it very hard for their clientele to really trust them right now.
23: Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't have too much more to say on that. Like I said, I thought it was interesting just because of the amount of rumors, the amount of different circulation going around. It could turn out that only 20% of it is true. So, you know, don't take, I honestly just
20: think it's funny.
23: Yeah, don't take anything about this NVIDIA hack that, that I've said verbatim. Because Nvidia hasn't talked. All Nvidia said is we're investigating an incident. Okay, so I promised a Mass Effect uh, Legendary giveaway, which I will actually give it away. Whoever whoever gets drawn, you get to you get the game. We're not going to do an artisan builds. I give games away. At, Almost every day at this point. Well, actually, every day at this point. Uh, but it will go, go back down to a couple of <coughs> So, let me get into chat here. See who we got. Last time I checked, we only had two people on here. We have uh... Nexus Kayo and Arcade Bang. Now, since there's only two people, we're going to do this the simple way. Assuming I can find a coin. Somehow I don't own a coin. Here we go coin. Quarter. We're going to say Arcade Bang is heads and Nexus Kyo is tails. Nexus Kyo, you have won Mass Effect Legendary Edition. If you follow me on Twitter, go ahead and send me a DM, and I'll send you your key over. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I'll try to uh, direct message you here. You're welcome. You follow me on Twitter? Okay, go ahead and send me a DM on Twitter. I'll send you your key back. It'll probably be about uh, 15 minutes or so just because i got to wrap up this podcast really quick. Okay, awesome. Yeah, send me the DM, and we will get you your game. Now, speaking of Mass Effect Legendary Edition, now we have your screen on. My screen is not on on the thing right now um, because I thought it would be cluttered to put both screens. Uh, so, I mean, I can, I can see you haven't had much time to play. We've been talking. Um, just... Just from what you've seen so far, what are your first impressions of the game?
20: This mic, I'm telling you, it's, it's a pain in my ass. Um, I think it's decent. Like The graphics look, well, the cutscene graphics look good for, God, I don't know, how, how old is this game?
23: Uh, well, the Legendary Edition just came out last year. The original one is from 2012. I think. I've i been playing a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit further in the game than he is. Not much. Um, I did play the original Mass Effect, so I am not new to the game. The graphics updates are amazing. I've noticed some slight dialogue changes. But overall, from what I've seen so far, it looks pretty good. Now, you're only talking about probably a total of 15 minutes of gameplay in the hour and 41 minutes we've been doing this podcast. But uh, my first impression is it's pretty good. You know, I would recommend giving it a try, especially if you have Game Pass and you can try All it right. for free. Oh, he's back.
20: Haha. Alright. Um so they've basically just upgraded the graphics with the legendary,
23: right? They've upgraded the graphics, they have changed some dialogue, um, and done some minor change plot changes, but nothing that is major.
20: Okay, well that's not bad.
23: Yeah, um it is essentially the original game. Like I said, there are a couple changes in there. And like uh, Mass Effect 3, it doesn't have the multiplayer that the original did. You know, I, I don't know if you could hear when I was going through, through my review, but there's, there's, it's essentially the original game with a lot better graphics. I mean, they didn't, like, a lot of times you see updated games, they're like, oh, the HD edition. And they come out and you're like, hey, it looks the same.
20: Like, for me, like, I've, I've never played this game. Like even when it did come out on the console, so if the graphics look good. I'll say it was made by what? Bungie, right?
23: Uh, Bungie EA.
20: So I don't think it's bad. I think it's nice because, like, it reminds me of a more like the roughly the same graphics that uh, the new Halo has.
23: Let me check on that. Actually, I don't think Mass Effect was actually made by Bungie. I think it was just made by EA.
20: But it was made by Bungie. I could be wrong, so please, any Mass Effect fans, please forgive me.
23: <laughs> yeah, I know it's published by EA. That does not mean it wasn't made by Bungie, since Bungie is often subcontracted. Yeah. I'm trying to look it up and see. But yeah, I mean, my opinion on the game from what I have played is it looks like a wonderful update to the original Mass Effect series. If you played the original Mass Effect right now you can pick it up for like ten dollars i know because i did earlier so i could give it away um so or it's uh it's also in the humble bundle right now so if you subscribe to humble hundle bundle you'll go ahead and get the mass effect legendary edition uh, well i think other getting games. it
20: from the humble bumble edition would be um the hundle oh my god the humble bundle edition would be worth it because that's at least going to a good cause because I know most of the profit they make goes to charities and foundations.
23: That's where I got your copy.
20: Ah, that's awesome.
23: Yeah, that that is actually where I got your copy from. You know, Humble Bundle is actually a cool service. I have it $12 a month. I get eight games. They're a surprise every month. But last month I got Borderlands 3, which I already had and I gave away. This month, I got Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which I already have, so I gave away. Um, but I also got Desperados 3 and some other other games that are uh, I will eventually play, maybe. There is disadvantages to have once you get over the 2,000 game mark. You just can't play them all.
20: Oh, yeah. That's like for the Humble bumble Humble Bumble Oh, my God. The Humble Bundle. Like you get a good bit of games, and to be honest, I know friends that have been signed up with them for years, and they every year they'll give out a list of games to like their discord and be like, if you want a key to one of these games, let me know there's like they tell them like we do not have the time to play all these games
23: yeah, I mean I got uh actually I got Man and Madonna in this one too, and I've been looking forward to playing Man and Madonna. So I will probably try to stream that sometime soon. I just gave it to someone recently. Oh, I gave it to uh, to Lobo. You know, I gave him a game because he was my number one Twitter follower. Awesome. So uh, I know he's on my Twitch sometimes. Maybe uh, I'll see if he wants to play since it's co-op.
20: Like the one thing I'm noticing that's like driving me nuts is when, like in the cutscenes, when they're talking. The like the graphics of them talking, like their mouth moving, does not line up and sync with the actual audio.
23: Hmm. I'm not noticing like, that on mine.
20: Well, like for me, I mainly notice it with like the black, uh, like the commander here, the black commander. Like his mouth doesn't open up a lot, so like it's weird. Like it, it you hear like the the dialogue come, but like the mouth, like what you would hear. And C don't match up. It's like watching a, a dubbed like an old dubbed version of Godzilla.
23: It's like when you're watching Netflix and you have to pause it and restart it so the, the audio relines up. Yeah. Cause I know I have that actually pretty much every streaming service, you know, I'll be watching it and the longer I watch it, the the more the audio gets off. So I'm like, okay, pause. They're making play. sure
20: they're making sure you're still awake. <laughs>
23: You know, actually, my TV upstairs, it has a setting that you can you can set to like one, two, three seconds, or half second, one second to help audio sync up with streams because sometimes they just don't sync up.
20: Well, that's nice.
23: Yeah, and I've never seen it on a TV. I just got this TV last year. Um, it's in my living room. But it's really kind of cool because it has a setting that you you can set it for like a half second, one second, and it will take that and it will make the audio and the video sync up. Unfortunately, it doesn't work great because you can start a new show and then it doesn't sync up again. So you have to adjust it again. So, Ah,
20: well, that's not good. It would be better if it was like
23: constant. But uh, I think we're done. I think we made it. Awesome. So I think uh, I think it's time to shut this down. Uh, everybody have a good night. I look forward to hopefully you can uh, tune in next week. Yes, I'm glad to be here. I'm definitely glad I could help. Hey, I I uh, thank you for being on. You got to be on the first episode.
20: Oh, wow. I feel so privileged.
13: COVID Clinic tests everyone. We're best at providing incredible testing that's run by a physician and administered by a healthcare professional. There was a huge need for groups. Employers started sending their people over. So I started saying, if they can't get appointments at the sites and we need more locations, why don't we just go to them? I can go in and I can assess what's happening. There's so many industries that have been impacted, and let's get all that back. COVID Clinic's mission is testing for all. If you need testing, you can get testing. If you need answers, you can get answers.
22: Welcome to Honestly Though, a podcast where you get a peek into what it's like to eavesdrop on conversations in the girls' bathroom.
9: We're challenging social norms through real, raw, and risqué discussions. So
22: Honestly Though, enjoy that episode, Do Women Really Want Vulnerable Men? On today's episode of the Honestly Though podcast, we brought a very special guest to the couch to help us answer that very question. <laughs> Welcome my big brother Adam to the stage. Ooh, ooh. Ooh.
24: Guys for welcome.
22: Me. It's Bring Your Brother to Work Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
24: I've been watching y'all, you know, so it's like it's kind of surreal to be here now. You know?
22: Oh, you know, we big Walking time.
24: Studio, I'm like, oh, That's big time.
22: <laughs> you know, we doing he's been around since our conception, so he saw the uh. Like the little basement studio we had, like, you know. He's like he's seen it all. I'm a fan. Aw, thank you. thank you, Amy. Yeah. Thank you Aww. for coming through. <laughs> oh, you got Zena over there a little quiet, which mm, mm, a little I'm quiet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, go as back. I mentioned before, yeah, we all, we go back. Go back. Sorry, Sim. i trio. So, no, I'm just
21: kidding. All trio. All
22: trio. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode was inspired by like an actual conversation you and I were having um, about. A, a person that was in my life. And without naming names, I had mentioned that he was a little too emotional for me. And what Adam has said to me have really opened up my eyes in, like, my own verbiage and the words that I choose to use towards men by calling this person too emotional. And if you want to get into, like, what you were telling me about, you know, when you were younger, people using that with you, you can go ahead.
24: When I was young, you know, I would get into some... <laughs> I would get into my feelings. Somebody <laughs> would say something. I would express myself if I was mad in a in a way where, you know, you would see, you'll see my, my eyes tearing up or mm-hmm. my face. And what happens? I was always made fun of. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was just um, you know, it was just the way I was expressing myself. I didn't know I was doing something wrong yeah. in society, you know. Men are supposed to not, you know, show their emotions in that way. Mm-hmm. But um now I was releasing it. It is what it was. But I would say growing up, you know, I feel like now I'm not I don't I don't um I don't show my emotions that that much. I'm not too vulnerable.
22: Yeah. Is that like in just crying in front of people or is that also in just like expressing your feelings because that may not be considered not, Yeah, no, right? no
24: not, not crying, just expressing my feelings. Mm-hmm. Like I kinda go, you know, I kinda go with the flow. I'm um I'm not really yeah, I'm not really. Expressing no. my
22: feelings. But um, yes, it actually was like the seems to be the running theme with men is that maybe when they're younger, they might have a little bit more uh, safety to open up. But uh, somewhere along the lines, there's been people telling them whether that's society, women in your life, other male friends, mm-hmm. just somebody's telling them, like, that's not cool. You can't do that. And big so that's weird. big boys. Mm-hmm. Don't cry. <laughs> <I'm Anley. laughs> First of all. That's what we're about to put an end to today. We're going to get y'all crying by the end of this episode, all right? Okay? We're going to get some men's tears. Okay. okay. So actually, some of the Twitter thread that we, were, that we wanted to get into that really matches exactly what Adam was saying, essentially, um, it's really just in ways that uh, men have had a hard time opening up to women. So I'm going to get to that really quickly. It was a viral thread, so I'm sure you're familiar with it. And the first tweet that I think kicked off the thread was... Mm. y'all ready why do men shut their partners out when they're going through stuff it's unfair (laughs) so this was the the tweet itself from a woman that set off this viral thread tweet twitter thread of men expressing why they can't open up to women so let's let's just gauge how you feel about the initial tweet why do men shut their partners out when they're going through stuff it's unfair
24: um i would say maybe because um at that point, you feel like, you know, nobody's going to be able to help you through it. Um, you don't want to come off as someone that's soft or complain or complains easily. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe the, the biggest part is um, you think that person probably won't have no effect. You know, telling that person won't do nothing for you. So yeah. Kind of keeping it an in and just going about your days. Because
22: what is going to help if you just chat, if you just yeah. talk about it, what's going to happen?
24: Yeah, what's going to happen?
22: That's an interesting point you made. Simph, you want to jump in?
9: You basically said what I was going to (laughs) say. because I was watching um, this episode of Shan Booty's podcast and I've been preaching. I don't know if you know who they are, but they were on it. Oh, okay. Of course. (laughs) But um, they were on her podcast and Abba basically said like, People always tell you to like talk about it, like open up your feelings. But like, what is that actually going to do? Right. Like it's not going to fix the problems. And that's why men are just like, you know, I'll just do it myself.
22: Your problem's still there. Exactly. We're just talking about it. And now you have somebody that's apologizing and and being like, Mm oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But it's like, does that really
9: help? No. And it also shows like we're kind of ignorant to the depth of things that men go through like we don't really understand y'all's issues we may think we do but like we don't really get how that feels to you guys we don't
24: y'all would never know
22: (laughs) y'all will never share we we just don't understand (laughs) the cycle so i want to recite to you the um one of the men's responses and let me know how you feel about this so uh, his reply to her first tweet was the answer to this question is in the tweet itself. And she doesn't even have the self-awareness to realize it. First paragraph, the man has a problem. He's going through stuff. Second line, she made it about herself. It's unfair to you, right? <laughs> and that's why men don't. Would you agree? <laughs> is that something that generally happens? Women kind of make you you're, you're, the way that you open up to them about them
24: no, I just think um you know if the if you if your lady if your lady's concerned it's obviously um crossing into your relationship. So whatever you're going through is now traveling to not only you but mm-hmm. your relationship. Mm-hmm. So at that point it's involving her. So um is it fair? No. Cuz now she has to kind of um think about what you're thinking about and yeah. try to figure you out the and you, she doesn't game. know what you're going through and it's a guessing game. So um I think if you have a partner, I mean, that that should be the easiest person that you should be able to uh, be vulnerable with if, you know, that's your true love.
22: If they create that space for you. If
24: if y'all create that energy.
22: (laughs) If that's what's in the cards for that. But for me personally, in that tweet where she does say it's unfair, I I can see that. I understand. And and same as you said, when it comes to relationships, if one person is doing all the emotional work and the other person is not giving and is just taking emotionally from you and not giving anything emotionally to the relationship or vulnerably, I can understand the unfairness. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's almost the way she framed it. It's like. Why don't they help? They, why don't they tell us when you're going through stuff? It's unfair. Like, yeah, they're going through stuff, but it's already you're already kind of minimalizing it in mm-hmm. the tweet. And I feel like that's almost a broader sense of how we engage with our men when they are going through stuff. We can minimalize it because they're not crying about it the way our friends cry about a problem when they have one. Don't
25: be looking this way when you, <laughs> the way your
22: friends cry. when your but. friends have a problem. <laughs>
24: But, <laughs> but also, men probably are thinking like how they respond to it. If a, if a woman is opening up about her issues, like man, she complain too much. Like,
22: dang <laughs> that's what y'all be thinking. <laughs> Shit,
9: sometimes maybe
24: maybe he's feeling if like it's man, ball, if I, you know.
9: Huh? I mean, but it's how like to all, us? How often? they're just like really what you mad over? Like, come exactly. on now, so, like know, seriously, your
24: problem, your big problem might might sound might be small to someone else. So you know, so you just maybe try to mm. keep it in. Like, I'm yeah. not sure how it's gonna come. Across, I agree.
25: But. I think it depends on what the problem is. Like if it's a just a general thing and I can talk to my girls about it, then cool. I'm just going to talk to y'all about it. Yeah. If it's going to affect my relationship that I don't have. Then <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk to that person as well, because I don't want to my I wear my moods on my face and just I just yeah. shut people out at certain times. And if I just need a moment, I would rather say like, you yeah, I'm going through stuff. Can I get like some days to myself? And it's not about you. So I, I think it just depends on what it is and if it affects the person that you're with or not. Mm-hmm. Right. It takes
24: a very mature person to be like, yeah, you can get some days to yourself. Yes. Oh, because I can say,
9: go ahead. No, it's
24: also, <laughs> no. um, it's also big that you were big enough to say that because some yeah, people mm-hmm. would never say it. And, no. s- and mm-hmm. stay trapped in that situation where now everybody's being affected. So yeah. sometimes you need some alone time.
9: That That's be. a fact. I was going to say, I kind of agree with Bree about, well, the tweet sounded kind of entitled just a little bit. <laughs> because what if her man didn't want to come to her because he knows she can't handle what he's she, he's mm-hmm. about to give her. And then the response she gives him actually makes him feel worse. Right. So it's like, eh, do I want to tell you? Because <laughs> I, I know how you are. Yeah. Like, I love
24: you, but I know how you are. So yeah. I'm not going to tell you this because I don't think you can handle it.
22: Well, then is that the person you should be with?
24: Yeah, like, it got to be open communication at all times.
22: But But is it fair to expect that your partner is just going to be able to, like, confide in you about everything? There are certain things in my relationship that I definitely confide in my boyfriend with. But then there are also other things that I just know based on our lived experiences Mm -hmm. that he won't get it. And for me personally, like it, it hurts more to try to explain something to somebody with no like, yeah. pro- like you know, than it Won't is it. to like, yeah, that just doesn't get it. Than it is to just like internally deal with it all myself. The situation with my father that you guys all know about. It's harder for me to like try to explain to somebody else why that hurts mm-hmm. than to just like go to my brother who could who can understand that or like a sister or myself yeah. or my friends, you know. Mm-hmm. So in instances like that, I do think that. We have to do a better job as women at creating the space for men to bring us their issues when they're going through stuff and not make it about us, Mm -hmm. not make it about like, because there is a thing, there's a badge of honor. We'll get to that later, Mm -hmm. actually. But women do love when men express themselves to us. Like we always say it. That's what the point of this episode is, right? We all say we want vulnerable men. We like love vulnerable men. Mm. But do we? Because the second they start expressing their emotion, it becomes we start, we start to like criminalize them for it. We weaponize it against them. We're like, you're being too emotional. Bring it down, mm-hmm. bring it down. So then in times when they're going through things and we're not, me and that person or that person and I are not in a, a a fight anymore that they still remember they got that muscle memory of when I wasn't necessarily being that receptive to their emotions when I was weaponizing it even though we were in a fight that still kind of carries over I'm 12,000 percent guilty of that and it's probably my biggest toxic trait of being like upset I'm, I'm just sending this damn microphone for a ride today y'all <laughs> see it <They're> bouncing today <laughs> shit um I'm gonna do like this maybe that gonna get my hands out the way <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. That's how I feel. I feel like it's it's a little bit more on it's on us as women, but it's also on men as a as a culture, like for each other. Mm-hmm. And like just try to not make it so taboo that society has taught you guys. You see where I'm coming from? I got I that. But <laughs> well, we also do have another tweet where the guy Hitch. another kind of standpoint from this uh, first uh, original tweet where he says because at some point you'll use it against him whether it's intentional or not because women you don't know certain things can't be said and when they're uns- when they're said they can't be taken back. Sorry just won't cut it and so that leads into like what I was just saying. That's what I do. We can't take it back.
24: I mean, that feels like if you're in a if you're in a situation where arguments just get out of control. And you're using words or situations as weapons, but um, I don't know. I've never been through that situation where. Oh, nice! Um, oh amazing. Somebody um used something against me that mm-hmm. I may maybe told them mm-hmm. in confidence.
22: That's a blessing. That's a blessing, honestly, to not have de- to deal with people that hurt you mm-hmm. when you've shared something that is literally i'm sharing this with you so that it no longer hurts me or it's not just my burden to share it's ours and then you're gonna throw gonna it go back, back in my face <laughs> like shit that hurts <laughs> um but i do want to get into maybe like a little bit of a theory on why women may do that and y'all can all correct me if i'm wrong but i've been thinking i've been thinking about some things she and i want to know if it has any validity Okay. So, boom. That's Here we hard. go. Society has pretty much weaponized women's vulnerability and our emotions. For as long as I was a kid, the reason why I come off as such a hard hard woman or like not like emotional woman is because I grew up my whole life thinking that that was like unattractive or like that was like what you don't want to be. You don't want to be like those women. That's a bad thing. So, um I think a lot of the times because our emotions are weaponized like women. Why? What was the biggest reason why people said women can't be a president? There's going to be so many wars. They're too emotional. They're not going to be able to think logically. And then we had Trump, (laughs) the most emotional motherfucking big baby you'd ever seen anyway. But my point is, is that a lot of times we, we make it seem as though women aren't going to be able to put logic above emotion. And so it's, it's been weaponized a lot in our lives. And so could that be why we like the first thing we go to is to weaponize it against men when we're also in when we're in conflict? Is that worth looking into? I mean,
25: honestly, the most I've weaponized is I'm like, it's not that deep. Um I actually thought it was funny. <laughs> I didn't know you have, you have feelings.
22: <laughs> and sometimes it is funny, and that's why they, that they don't want to tell us nothing. Like I try my best not to
25: throw things back at people because I do want to create a safe space. Like if I fuck with you, I care about you. So I really just have to. I think it's just emotional intelligence of what may not bother me may bother someone else, and vice versa. And also, I think if you are nuanced with your emotions, then yeah, it's going to be weaponized against you. If you are like as a woman if you're like lashing out about every single thing like you gotta sit down and do some self-reflection and yeah. like really just learn to be more aware of your emotions and maybe not everything needs to be why are you so triggered honestly speaking mm-hmm. i wouldn't want to deal with that that's why i stopped dating women <laughs> so i was like why are you <laughs> why are you the start, but you're like so fucking emotional
22: yeah, there I go.
25: Like, this is against women. Women,
22: <laughs> but also we're using like the wrong things because like we want to, we want people to be vulnerable, but we're like you're too emotional. But yeah. also emotionality, yeah, and vulnerability are not the same thing, no. y'all. No. It's not the same. Like men, we want them to be vulnerable. Like we want them to tell you like what plagues you at night, what keeps you up at night, what what's the things that really in your soul, like really make mm. you that give you adversity, right? But we don't want the man that's going to have like the explosive reactions and the explosive emotions, because that's what when we're saying it's too emotional or you're being like too you're acting. That's what I feel like a lot, or at least for me personally, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm talking about. It's not necessarily using the moments in which they've been like vulnerable
24: about something going on with them
22: exactly i would never take if somebody sat down and told me like listen i'm having like a hard time like i have i have anxiety and ocd like imagine somebody sitting down and telling me like i'm i'm going through a lot right now with my anxiety or something like that i would be like oh well and then we get into a fight and be like well that's why your stupid ass can't sit down straight and you always fucking (laughs) fidgeting fidgeting i just combined like 12 words y'all i tried but, you know, I, you just I don't I don't weaponize in that way. But I have weaponized again in the way where it's like, well, that's why you've been cheated on. It's uh, mm, fucked up. Mm, as fucked up as it is of me. Mm. That's why you've been cheated on right there. And what's crazy is I feel so justified in the moment mm-hmm. because whatever is happening, I'm like, yo, that's why you got cheated on in my head. I'm like, that's the fuck why right here. And so I say it. And it's not, it's not cool.
24: And it's what a blow to his ego, right? Right? That, yeah, all
22: 100%. the triggers of that. Oh god! And especially when that's something that's super, a super prevalent problem in y'all relationship is the fact that this person has been cheated on mm-hmm. so many times. And here I go making shit worse, like you know, just throwing fuel on the fire.
24: I think that's um, that's pretty big that he was able to even come out and say, "Yo, I've been cheated on." Because you ask some of these dudes, "Yo, you ever been cheated on?" It's like, "Ooh, that hurt." Nah.
22: Yup. I left <laughs> <laughs> I do the cheating <laughs> Right Niggas stay Come My on me. Yeah, it's like, That's being vulnerable In that's itself That's vulnerable Like mm-hmm. yeah, be
24: honest with yourself It is what it is I, I May mean, I not have been um, Nothing to do with you mm-hmm. You know But I think I think that's where A lot of guys Will never be vulnerable and oh, and a that- question like that Yeah I had to go myself Yeah I messed up <laughs> That was me.
22: No, nigga, you did it. No. <laughs> that's so funny. To save face, is that like an ego thing? I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then you're like, the first thing as a woman is going to be like,
25: your dick is trash. Like, <laughs> oh my God. That's a, you see? Let's just be honest. So, like, I mean, why else? I don't know. But that's like the first thing. And yes. a man's ego It's like, damn. Nah you can't know that
22: Have you ever told a man After y'all broke up His dick is trash Nah <laughs> I wouldn't
25: fuck with you If you think it was trash <laughs>
22: No, no, nah, but most women That are saying that They're just saying that To hurt his feelings yeah, yeah, They don't exactly. You wouldn't have stayed All that time If you really thought it no, But How I about never, you Sam? What, what you did The so
9: same So while we were same. going No So uh, When we were same, going same. over this <laughs> I have made up a whole memory I was like not made up the memory i found this out after the fact after we got off the phone okay because i went to go ask my man i was like when have i ever weaponized you know your vulnerability and then he was like well i don't think you really do that you might be indifferent and then he was like wait no no there was this one time <laughs> it was when we weren't really on like i wasn't messing with him like that because i was mad at him for talking to my friend but Damn. then you know that whole situation you know so um what happened so I remember that story. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So um during that time, he was trying to get me back and he would write me letters and put the letters with the flowers Ooh. and I would not give a fuck. <laughs> so I wouldn't care. Nah, I wouldn't give all. a fuck. He's like, did you get them? I'm like, I don't know. I guess auntie <laughs> took them out the thing. Nah, I guess auntie. <laughs> I guess auntie. He was like, well, did you like it? Like, I'm like I didn't see it. I don't. Like, I just did not care. I was just right. being so mean. And he's like, yeah, like that hurt me because he was really trying to get me back and being very open about yeah. how he felt about me and like, how he was upset that he fucked up. Wild vulnerable. Yes. And I was just like, I didn't care making, at all.
24: He also making it by himself. He messed up. <laughs>
22: that's a fact. <laughs> you know, you,
9: thing, you, you that's you that's a gotta, fact, accept it. But see, years later, I found that I realized he, he didn't. didn't really mess up. It was me. It was her. It was it Oh, was it, not, was her. it was it wasn't was yeah, new. We weren't even together. And I no, I told my friend I didn't want to be with him anymore. So then she made a move on
22: him. So it's like She told him he didn't want to be with her him. She told the friend she didn't yeah. want to be with him. Mm-hmm. So then they got together. When they both asked her.
24: Oh, they asked, yes. Oh, they asked permission.
22: Not to get together. Oh. But they both asked I, like I, how she felt
9: about Imagine you know how about I felt about him. Right. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Uh, and I was like, I don't care anymore. Like, you know, okay, but I was okay. logging, but I was telling them right. I don't care anymore. But inside, I did. She was <laughs> Big cap, give yes. me a cap. So like yeah. that was a cap. Yes, put a cap on my head. Absolutely, <laughs> put the
22: cap on my head. And hand it over. <laughs> but
9: yes, so that was my time. But something else that I found interesting that I found out that I do is I fetishize men's vulnerability. Mm. So like if a guy tells me something like a deep dark secret, whatever the case is. I'll feel proud. I'll use it. I'll feel like it's a badge of honor that he told me this hmm. specifically. Like I feel really special. And then I take that away from him, and then now it's about me. Yeah. So it's not even about the fact that you told me. Like oh, the, or, it's not even about the thing anymore. It's literally yeah. about oh my god, you told me yes. this.
24: You opened up like that.
9: What to me That's though? <gasps> to me. But then finding out later some of the things he might have told somebody else, and I'm mad. Oh yeah. I'm like wait. You told this person what, <laughs> I thought it was me. This and now again, and it's not about him; him. it's right. about me.
22: <laughs> Yo, the, I'm guilty. <laughs> guilty. Oh, wow, <well. laughs> that is so crazy. I never even realized that. But yes, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Men, like it's it actually isn't even necessarily about like the fact that he that they're. Br- oh God, Simph, you just like solved the mystery. <laughs> it's not really when we say, "Do women want vulnerable men?" It's like, no, we want to know that we're special enough for you to re- to. to to relay that information. Yeah, to relay that information mm-hmm. on us. For you to feel comfortable enough to tell us that deep, dark secret or whatever that is. That's what we crave. We don't necessarily crave them being outright with, in, really? or, you know, forthcoming with their emotions. Because as we just stated, we villainize them for it afterwards.
25: It really depends on what
22: Oh, I don't know. Oh, she said it depends on what it is. <laughs>
25: it really <laughs> does.
9: <No>. Like... <laughs>
25: Someone got mad at me for stating the things I was better than better at than he was. And I was like, <laughs> we were joking. Like, you started it, so why are you mad? And he was really upset. And I was like, it's not that deep. Like, it's shit like that. I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? And so perhaps I could have said, well, why did it make got you it. get into mm-hmm. your feelings? Okay. Like, yeah. what's the why root of the, trigger? the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's mm-hmm. the trigger? But it sounds like it's not a, It's fucking hilarious because... I was joking But it's true of These are the things But still But like is it that deep? that deep
22: That's why I'm not The best person To be telling y'all What to do But oh uh, <laughs> I still don't even know If it was that deep To be honest It wasn't I still Listen, don't know, But if well we're, to you I, well, I mean, that's the like, call So well, I don't yeah. know Clearly he wasn't that's like true. Clearly it wasn't yeah. like That deep for him Because he started it But what was deep Was when it was reciprocating Oh yeah <laughs> Like oh, yeah, he yeah, could yeah, dish yeah, it yeah, out yeah. But he just couldn't like, Take what, it back what,
25: what, what, Was it the things I said mm-hmm. You know like Was it something specific Can we get
22: a little example It
25: was
24: probably he, Yeah He thought what was going Through your head was true Like she really think that
25: Yeah so he was sitting yeah, there like, you know? like realizing oh, oh. that It was true That's the funny thing What was y'all talking about That's what Okay 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 A little um this man was like Oops We're like sitting there eating breakfast I don't remember what How the conversation came about He's like I'm better than Better at everything than you are Fucking Sagittarius And I was like No you're not And he's like Yeah yeah I am I'm like I can list the list <laughs> I can name some things That I'm better at And he's like what And I'm like I'm a better kisser And he's like Who told you that And I'm like Everyone
22: uh, All right. Oh that's yeah. what got him mad. <laughs>
25: My chest
22: <laughs> <It's-> <laughs>
25: Cause like, I'm a better communicator. I'm a better cook. I'm a better writer. I'm a better everything that I'm Damn, good. She at said the show. better cook, Boom. the
22: better writer. Boom.
25: Boom. Just... And then I was like, I'm just joking, but it's the truth. <laughs> and He, his face was just like this bitch. You know, I was just sitting here, that, like, what's wrong? Is this something I said? And he's like, No, nah, I'm good. And <laughs> after like two hours of silence, I'm like, Okay, can we talk? Like, what's, what's up? Th- and he told me, and I was like. Oh, I was just, I mean, I thought we were
22: joking, but like, it's true, but it's not that deep. But I get why you're upset. Like, she was I'm not backing to- down. She was like, either way, you're going to notice how I really feel. Yeah. <laughs> it's still true. Even two it, hours later.
25: But honestly, I was like, I don't want you to like, it's not a competition. I want you to utilize me for the things that I'm better than. Yes, mm-hmm, better, exactly. Than you are. Like, mm-hmm. I suck at technology. If mm-hmm. you're good at that, then help me. And
22: strengths like, and so. weaknesses, yeah. baby. Yeah. Where you That's lack, really I was. pick up. Where I lack, you Compliment pick
25: Compliment each other. Mm-hmm. It was my intention was pure. Yeah. But- the ego was scored If I can get my delivery wasn't the best.
22: <laughs> So I don't know I'm like just really happy To know that you're not Out here dating no bitches That are throwing shit In your face Because I was I ready I was ready up. after this episode We're To create to a little up. Hit list You feel me And I was gonna get it All <laughs> of them hit list. But um, no That actually like Makes me really happy to hear And also like she really shitty for myself, yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm like, damn, I Maybe. that's me, yeah, that's me.
25: It's me. No, <laughs> are it's you me. vulnerable with your ma- your male friends?
24: Um, no, nah, I wouldn't say it, but I do have a friend I would say that's kind of vulnerable. And I was like, damn, bro, like I even said those things, like, ain't that serious?
22: Oh, wait. <laughs> but
24: no, I didn't say that to him, but, but you know, in my mind, I'm mm-hmm. just like,
22: wait, 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 off but, camera, which friend was it? No, no, okay. No, they we're gonna put it in, I'll edit it out. I just wanna No, nah, no, nah, Okay <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm, I'm gonna leave it in now, though. Loyalty. They're gonna see that you are right. They're gonna see that you a she true like, one. Nah.
19: nah <laughs> but it
24: was it's just like a, um like when it just I, I just simple situations that I think a conversation can can Fix. solve mm-hmm. but you're just complaining about it.
21: Mm-hmm. You
24: know? mm-hmm. Um and really I don't know like some things I'm just I'm passive on a lot of things so maybe that's the reason maybe it's not maybe it's not him maybe he deserves mm-hmm. to be vulnerable for that situation but I guess just me looking at it as, as um through my lens I'm just like it's not that serious but I would never say that no nah, yeah I'll give him the <laughs> advice that I think he should do talk it out
22: that's so sweet <laughs>
25: I think a lot of things are perspective yeah so just because maybe not bother me doesn't mean
22: it's I'm bothering you yeah. type mm-hmm. of thing and not everyone has perspective though the thing about like guys and like talking to your friends and like the thing that I I love that you just said you don't do and made it a point to say that you don't do is tell him that like if you don't personally think it's as serious or like Zena said, if it's not how you would necessarily react that you don't tell him that because a lot of times, like especially girls, like we have like certain tropes that we do and it's just like. Couldn't be me or like something like that. And Mm -hmm. while it's like joking at the same time, it's not really necessarily what your friend would be looking for, but especially in male groups where I feel like, as you said, society, everybody's telling you, don't cry. Don't be expressive with your emotions. The last thing he needed was a friend telling him the same thing Mm -hmm. and what i think would be super useful for not only just men but also women are just more of those spaces like we need more resources for men in general or like more examples Mm -hmm. like the super bowl the um the 30 year old i don't even know if he was a quarterback y'all forgive me um but whoever the the main guy was on the rams that won and he was crying on the after the post game like once they Nah not Odell. Odell was crying because for different reasons. But um, the man that was like leading the team—shit, I wish I knew his name. We gonna add it in right here, though. Not the one that rushed I, I, home to the hospital because his nah. wife was. Oh no, no—the nah, nah.
24: one that got the last um sack on.
22: The yeah, like the quarterback, like the Donald, big, Donald. the one who was saying like he's like the best player in the league. Like everybody was like giving him that. Yeah, props him. He this big, this thirty-year-old just won a Super Bowl on national TV, the most televised program in the history of television. And he's crying and not crying because he's like sad, but crying because he's happy and he's not wiping the tears away and he's not trying to talk through them. I mean, he's not trying to like talk them away. He's not, he's just talking through them. He's not wiping them away. They're on his face on a big ass platform. And I thought that that was actually special. He's a sports player, like as manly as they come, Mm -hmm. right? And here he is expressing himself on television.
24: I mean, if you want to see a grown man cry, just watch a championship of any sport. <laughs> yeah, that's that's every the football, way to find Super
22: Bowl it. game, they be
9: crying.
24: Football, baseball, basketball, <laughs> boxing, <laughs> UFC. You're that's true. Right right
9: right
24: right
22: but I can always appreciate when I see that because I feel like some people don't try to even express that even ha- in happy moments.
24: Well, so, I mean, that's yeah, an overwhelming <laughs> feeling, them thinking back to like, damn, what it really took to what get that like yeah. whole Russian right there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's that's one of the that's one of the places it is acceptable yeah Mm -hmm. like even though one of them might be a meme tomorrow
9: (laughs) that's what i was just gonna say you turn into the mj meme and then it goes back to what you were saying people laughing at you crying and you wonder why men don't want to open up it's
22: true true. (laughs) it was a meme but it is accepted in that
24: area yeah But look how men look when they cry you know
22: They, like because we're not used to it so i'm not gonna lie i would be like yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah, shit I'm makes me cry it. when what i see mean? him cry it breaks my heart when i see a man cry for real it's
24: like damn damn hurting that much that's what yeah thinking. but nah it probably hurt him regular he's probably just mm-hmm. uh you know a little bit more emotionally available to, to to let it out
22: have you do you remember one time seeing your dad cry ever yeah i did like when we was kids
24: nah that's was,
22: what i'm saying no nah, yeah, no
24: nah, not when we was kids
22: it was only one time he I ever seen that man cry. And I was twelve years old. And not only did he cry, but he put his head on my shoulder while crying. And I I I was so I was so unprepared. I had no idea what to do.
24: There was probably a lot of anxiety relief mm-hmm. being out right there and you didn't even know about it.
22: I had no idea. No, I could even at twelve years old, I swear you could feel like just that. Can't be yeah, it was so heavy. I had never been in that like that shit. Like I got ooh, it's like ooh right now. Like even thinking about it, like that was one of the moments where I was like, whoa. And then that, but I think what you said that that kind of like stuck with me because for me, because that was such a such a heavy moment, and so many things were going on in that time. For me, it was like, oh, okay, men only cry when like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. So that kind of conditioned that in my mind a little bit. And it's like, oh, okay. Because you see this one time in my entire life that I've ever seen my dad cry, it was literally when his entire world was crashing down. So for me, that almost became like the, you know, like the staple, like, oh, this is when men cry. So when I had seen men releasing their emotions in other areas, when maybe things just weren't that serious or that's how I saw it, it didn't, it wasn't hitting in the same way. It wasn't hitting home. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily validating that man and his feelings.
24: What I was going to say is, uh, when I said, you know, my friend could have, it wasn't that serious. Also, um, recently when I've been going through things, I'm like, you know what? Um, Now I can see why people get vulnerable because now it's feeling like it's too much for me. Mm. That I'm like, damn, that's why my friend was talking to me. Sometimes it's good to let it out. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever feel something that, you know, that's weighing you down and, and really um, emotionally affecting you, I think you got to speak to somebody,
21: that's whether it's
24: family, friend. Someone just close to you mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a partner, but mm-hmm. I think it's healthy to get that out. Yeah. Be vulnerable. Talk to yourself in the mirror.
22: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do that? No. Nah. <laughs> <You're so cute. laughs> we had like a conversation, like maybe like two weeks ago until like 5 a.m. And I was like, so you had to work at like two hours, but we were just sitting there for like three, four hours just chatting about every and anything. And I, I even like texted you after and I was like, thank you, because. Like I really appreciated you sitting there and like for four hours, like when you had to go to work too, mm. and like just just chatting with me, just telling me how you felt about certain things, everything from just like the past couple years of your life, everything, and um like I really 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 appreciated that, and I really appreciate you for inspiring this episode today. Yeah, <laughs> we did touch a
24: little bit on about that. Feel the like murders. I was being vulnerable that time.
22: Yeah, yeah, you were. Oh, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. the thing, mm-hmm. you were and being. Wasn't vulnerable. Vulnerable. I wasn't there. But I think
24: I probably I was being. I think so. I think I was probably being um vulnerable unconsciously. Yes. Exactly. To, mm, like, uh-huh. um, talk to you through situations that probably uh, that uh-huh. I went through. You forget something or, in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
22: That's what they think is like a lot of the times w- women, we don't necessarily know how to receive vulnerability because we see it as one thing and one thing only. We see it how we're vulnerable with our friends. We mm-hmm. see it how we relate our vulnerability to our lovers or our partners, family, whatever. But we're not even catching the little moments like when your man just comes home or when your brother just comes home and they say, I'm tired. Mm, You know, mm -hmm. just just for a man, especially a black man to say, I'm tired. That's that's a lot. Listen, like what the video. Somebody sent me a video of that man on Charlemagne saying something like that. And I remembered it. And that stuck with me because I was like, wow, that that's crazy. Like, imagine Yeah, seriously. Like we just have to like, listen, be more receptive to to the smaller moments and where they're being vulnerable. No, they don't have to cry. No, they don't have to say when I was five, this is what happened that changed the course of my entire life and made me. No, Mm -hmm. like we don't need all of that, but definitely just receiving it when it's coming to you and in the forms that people are willing to give it to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not how you think it just needs to be received. Mm -hmm. Right. It can be as simple as you're tired. Take a nap. Rest.
25: Like, Mm -hmm. I like to nap. Do you want to nap together? (laughs) Oh, my God. A good nap together? That's the what? Y'all in love, love love when y'all nap together. Mm -hmm. I think it's just so important to create a safe space for men and letting them know that. Yes. And like thanking them when they share shit with us. You know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah. So just being like, oh, my God, you're telling me like, thank you for being open and being comfortable with me to Mm -hmm. share those things with me Mm -hmm. rather than.
22: And what do you need from me moving forward? Mm -hmm. What do you need from me? Do you need when you come and speak to me, when people speak to me, um, especially like sometimes like my boyfriend, when he's going through something because he's got a lot of like family issues Mm -hmm. when he's going through something, I always ask him like one of three things. Like, do you want me to make you forget about it? Do you want to vent or do you want me to like give you some advice? Because I just want to know where he needs me, how Mm -hmm. he needs me in those moments. Yeah, because I don't know if he just wants to vent and just needs to get everything out. Like you said. I don't know if he wants me to really give my input because that's another reason why sometimes maybe men don't share with us. We always have to have a solution. Mm -hmm. We always have, or think that we have a solution (laughs) and be like, well, why don't you just try this thing instead? And then it's just like, would you shut your ass up? That Mm -hmm. ain't going to work. Or you You don't get it. (laughs) You really don't get it. Like you really don't fucking get it.
24: (laughs) It circles back to like what you said earlier. It's like, you told somebody and just now one more person knows and no solution. <laughs> yeah.
22: Now it's just another no, just motherfucker that here. know how sad you are. <laughs> <is>. Now what? <laughs> now what? <laughs> so, yeah, just um, how can we how can we as women? I think we just kind of answered that a little mm-hmm. bit. But how can we as women just make us, you know, make it easier for men to come to us? I mean, I wish there you had kind of talked
9: pointed to this earlier. I do wish that there was more resources or just like. More talk in the app in just a space about like how we can help men out, or yes. just like what to do once a man comes to us with vulnerability. Like yes, you can do that on the individual level, but I think as like a on a major scope, like mm-hmm. globally, that'd be better too. Absolutely. Just for the conversation.
22: Yeah, oh, I so like that. I said my think? board already. <laughs> what said? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
25: I don't remember, but yeah. you guys just call yeah, it. Thank so them. We got it.
22: <laughs> Thank them for telling me. <laughs> we got it. And Adam, what do you think as like for a man? What do you think can be done within y'all spaces? Like guy spaces, like maybe can help you be more vulnerable with each other.
24: Men like to joke around a lot, so like, mm-hmm.
22: <laughs> <But
25: that's laughs> just I... kind
24: of like you know realizing when someone is really in a situation to 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 kind of like,
25: Went to aid them in, them. A, in the mm-hmm. system
24: and not make it a joke.
22: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
24: you know that's I think that's what it is.
22: Yeah, just relearning how like re relearning vulnerability. Yeah, and relearning how to be there for people in those moments because that was my issue. I make everything a joke. Everything's funny to me, and I don't even mean, I'm not trying to be a dick. It's just funny. But But sometimes people laugh because it's uncomfortable.
9: That's like that's how they deal with it. And then if your friend also thinks it's uncomfortable, he's definitely not gonna wanna like interact with that. Like I don't know how to deal with this shit. I don't know. (laughs) Yo, be you good man. You you high? Like (laughs) you high? Just
24: another (laughs) motherfucker.
9: Just, just another like, motherfucker
22: knows.
24: That's you, just every love guy, just, just another, another motherfucker mo- knows what you going through no solution. <laughs> <That's>
22: <laughs> a fact though, that's really a fact. How many times can you have somebody say, "Damn, bruh Sorry." <laughs> How many times you gonna hear that before you like the what? So what, what you gonna but, do? But what we gonna do about like word? Anybody got any real suggestions in the building? Cause this this shit ain't working no more. It was never working. I'm asking you what you gonna do? I'm, I'm trying to figure it
25: out. You gonna help me or no, die? If I knew what I was gonna do, I was I would be talking to you. It's okay,
22: that's a
24: fact. I think that's why you gotta you gotta also speak to the people that you feel maybe that will connect with you at that time. You know, mm-hmm. if you know one of your friends is a joker and and not really gonna not capable of having that type of conversation don't even bother mm-hmm. yeah. go to a, a older person yeah um go to your parents
22: Mm-hmm. Not ours. Well, not our dad, but well, yeah. Go to go to someone vulnerable. around. We could go to you. our mamas. <laughs> Go to God. That's go where we God. learn how to not be vulnerable from our dad. Go to God. Go to God. Sometimes yes. you need someone to respond. Fuck
9: <laughs> to say. I go mean, go he re- God. you know he
22: responds, but you want someone to like. <laughs> yeah. No. When I say, when
9: I
25: to me, when
22: matter, I right? my crystals ain't got no answers to me right <laughs> now. Go God, you I'm trying to get fine. I'm looking for some. This damn sage and Palo Santo ain't doing it no more. I he got a pendulum. Is that? Not. What am I doing? I don't know. Universe, we need you. Send us some of these answers, i oh, sorry short. Sure. No, you're But friend. yeah, you did say go to your parents. And really quickly, I just, just want to throw in: sometimes we learn not to be vulnerable from our parents. Yeah. Look at our father. Yeah. Look at our
25: dad. I want to end this on a positive note because my dad does cry a lot and is very die. vulnerable and feels very safe with me. And that's like my best friend. If you don't treat me like my dad, I don't want you really. So um, my dad, we have that, you know. Yeah. And I think over time he's like has taught my brothers that and it's just a beautiful thing. And I really encourage everyone out there to Mm -hmm. be vulnerable and cry and let things out and be open with people that you feel safe with Mm -hmm. because he doesn't do that with all my siblings. It's really just me. So
22: I'm not okay, bragging, yeah, but
25: uh, that's my best. You friend. already know. <laughs> friend, yeah. I want to leave it
22: on that note. So, Thank hey. you again, Adam, for being here today and inspiring the conversation. Thank and if you man. want a, a permanent position, just let us know. We, <laughs> we need that male, as male correspondent. It's
25: my first podcast.
22: You are natural. Dope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You trying to take my seat.
25: right, y'all can share there's no seats at the table honestly though
22: I want you want to be the resident male um, perspective I like that I like that do
24: do my homework
22: you're gonna see his face more often for as ever many times he wants to be a part of this platform and until next time Love you bro Before <laughs> you go Like, subscribe, share, comment Ring the little notification bell We're Thank on iHeartRadio We're on Spotify We on What else we on? Send Apple, Apple Podcast And wherever else you listen to podcasts Because mm. that's everywhere That is facts Adam you got anything You want to say Close them out with?
24: Honestly though This hey. was dope hey. 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 Hey.
22: Thanks for tuning in. We're your hosts,
9: Zena, Symphony, Bree, and Ashley. If you want to see more of us, check us out on YouTube and Instagram at Honestly Though Podcast and our website, podcast.com. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and drop a like and share Honestly Though with your friends.
22: Until next time, keep it honest.
16: With zero sugar and refreshingly delicious, is Coca-Cola Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? Pick some up at Quick Trip today. With zero sugar and refreshingly delicious, is Coca-Cola Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? Pick some up at Quick Trip today.